That oh, yeah, not those yuck. are definitely swishies. Yeah. <laughs> the imperial schools of honor podcast i am josh folan and i'm jay baxton and we're going to be bullshitting about the formative years of console gaming as we revisit the periodicals that covered it again Magip coming at you with purple source rex kool-aid stains all over it we're reading through game <laughs> pro issue three today you can find the issue on archive.org if you want to look through, through the shit we're looking at i'll drop the link in the show notes as i always do we have a new review white trash 2001 on apple Podcasts, which is a great fucking username and the review says, Jay and Josh are extremely entertaining. Their analysis on classic gaming magazines and then a game from those magazines is great. The only downfall is they won't admit that Razor Ramon was beat by the one, two, three kid. And everyone knows outsider Scott Hall is the best form of Mr. Hall. And the reason <laughs> that is so specific is because this is definitely one of the Franken Culture podcast boys chirping back at the review I left them. <laughs> they have a. <laughs> They have a two-episode topic about the greatest wrestler of all time, and there is no mention of Razor Ramon, who is, true fact, without a doubt, the greatest wrestler of all time, Chico. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Are we going to go off the rails right now? Because <laughs> you do, do, you, do, do you not wholeheartedly do you not disagree, sir. Oh, really? Well, disagree. losing to the one, two, three kid is an arguably a solid knock on his legacy, but I stand by my position. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know how you could even say such a thing when the ultimate warrior is clearly the I'm man. I'm a warrior fan, but. Uh, For Bret yeah. Hart, Bret Hart should be up there. I also was a big Bret Hart fan, actually. I, I, I like, yeah, I, I I was big on his. Um, like, the, the, honestly, the my heyday, my wrestling heyday, would have been on Sega Genesis. I had actually, I think maybe Jab had Royal Rumble. For, for yes that was the best yeah that the and actually if, if you had the snes one probably i'm guessing right yeah oh yeah and that sure. actually had a different source selection so we're gonna not be talking about the exact same thing and i remember that so distinctly because i liked the genesis selection more and i think maybe was razor ramon even in the snes one do you remember him being in the game yeah he was definitely in that game because I, I i would pick him <laughs> but it was there, purple there and were yellow wrestlers that definitely were not like maybe mr perfect maybe i want to say. i don't know but and then anyways bret hart and razor ramon were the two that i would use the most playing that game uh and that was such a great uh that the the six button sega genesis controller was so clutch so key the the big mm. joystick that was yeah. kind of like the NES Advantage comparable, really, was so clutch for that game. One, it was a six-button game, and, and trying to do... That whole game was based on, like, rapid depression of buttons, you know? Like, really jamming on the buttons, and if you... you oh, yeah. To do the button com on, on the... If you're doing a three-controller... Or using a, a three-button controller, rather, to play a game where all you gotta do is jam buttons, and the way they did the button combinations, if you were doing Z, X, or Y, the, the, one of the six buttons, was to yep. do two buttons at once on, this, on the three-button controller, which is fucking pain. impossible. Yeah, come on, not even pay, it's not even possible to, to hit two buttons together over and over and over. It's just not possible, you know what I mean? So, uh, having that six-button controller was clutch, for sure. Anyways, uh, yes, th thank you, thank you. I, that's I'm almost sure that's Steve. So thanks, Steve, for that review. And remember, if you post it, we'll read it. Give us validation and self worth. Jay, <laughs> whoa, 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 what are we? We'll get into what are we jamming on now. Jay, what are you jamming on now? 
Well, as usual, NBA 2K, although I'm just... It honestly has me ready to throw my freaking controller and smash it because... I, I have something similar to say about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm still pissed that you guys are playing on freaking Switch. <laughs> but, uh... That yeah, whole idea so... fell off. I haven't heard anything from those motherfuckers. Since oh, really? I, yeah, so, like, I downloaded the shit uh. and I like, have not heard a word about it. That doesn't mean it won't happen, but it yeah. uh it's not does not have traction right now so if i if i didn't have anything positive to say not right now i'd be extra upset <laughs> <laughs> yeah man it's i so i'm doing this historic domination where i'm i'm basically playing against the computer at the highest level playing against all these historic teams and i'm playing against the historic east all-stars dude <laughs> well, it's fun because I'm playing my Seattle Surge squad, you know, that I made up with the players that I keep picking up in the cards market. And I just got Shaq on my team, like the high level Shaq, because you can get Shaq from like, you know, late in his yeah. career, Shaq. Yeah, all that. Yeah, you definitely don't want that Shaq. <laughs> exactly. And so I finally got Laker Shaq, who's like rated 90, 98, I think. And I keep losing to Jordan and the freaking East All-Stars, and it's driving me freaking nuts, man. Like, it's just, I'm ready to just smash my controller. Like, uh, I had to just chill, step outside and take a walk. Yeah. Well, Jordan, Tough. Jordan was really good at basketball. I don't, know how, I don't know how much you remember about Jordan, but he was, <laughs> he was super good at basketball, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one thing. They do a really freaking good job, I would have to say, about making sure players are unique to what that player actually was because – Jordan keeps doing stuff that I've never seen any of the other players in the game do. And I've played many games, you know, it's, and I get pissed every time. Like, fuck you, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So outside of that, which is still, you know, still just a game or two a day. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh my gosh. Like, so background on this. Courtney has she owns like every Assassin's Creed there is like she she collects them she's only played the earliest ones she hasn't even played this one and so she's play, she, she loves it so she, much she, she buys like the physical versions of the game are you saying she collects them? Well, like like digital like she has like all the ones that are available pretty much but doesn't um, play them so it's almost like a collection and she says she plans to play them all. But what <laughs> happened was she like bought one of our friends recommended Assassin's Creed. I don't remember which specific one, but it was somewhere, you know, mid if if they were produced between, say, 2000 and 2020, this one was produced in like 2010. So somewhere mid mid collection. And she played it and she really liked it. And she was like, I want to stop and go back and play all the previous ones. So she bought all the previous ones and beat like the first four of them. And, you know, she's obviously stuck in Animal Crossing now. But because of that, you know, the earliest ones are all about sneaking and really being assassin. And that was just not my jam. So I never paid attention. But watching this Xbox game showcase last week and all the freaking awesome games that are coming out, I really got hyped on um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the Viking one. And I'm not really a big Vikings fan, but the game looked friggin' awesome. It looked like a cross between Shadow of More, you know, Shadow of War. What, Jay, what uh, is the a thing? bunch of other so, games, man. Like, when you say you don't like something, there should be, like, a contrast in your mind of, like, the thing that you do like instead. What is the contrast to not really liking Vikings in your mind? <laughs> <laughs> to not really liking Vikings, the contrast of that would be to... Let me see. Maybe like <laughs> Roman warriors or something. Greek warriors. Okay. So, which... Yeah, that's a good answer. You know, on the fly. <laughs> I mean, 
Well, naturally, because Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the one I'm into, is all about like the continuation of the 300, like Leonidas's grandson. And it's like, so it's a lot more warrior battle swords. It's a lot more uh, fighting. And so basically, I'm looking at this Assassin's Creed Valhalla one about the Vikings, and it looks freaking amazing. And Courtney says, well, if that looks amazing to you, you should play one of these later, too, because they're like that. And so I did, and I'm freaking just sucked in, man. It's just, you're in Greece, like, I'm, everybody thinks of you as kind of like this almost God, but you don't even know who you are and, like, where you came from, really. It's just, it's amazing. Like, I don't want to spoil it, but, yeah, I've played, like, 28 hours or something in the last week or so. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah, I've seen, you know, like I was telling you, I think we were talking, texting or something. I'm, they, you know, they've been around for a while. They're certainly popular as fuck. I've looked at them and thought about it, but I don't know. Like it's too. It looks a, it looks a little too Call of Duty to me, you know. And I know no, it's, I know oh, it's not. Dude, it's, no it's like there. third third person sorts, like you know. I, but I just mean in that it's kind of like just this mindless battle progression. Like, I don't I don't mean so much the mechanic of the gameplay. I just mean the I guess the, the just the story progression is more about just this. Just battle, 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 as opposed to like trying to accomplish something. <laughs> well, well, that's the funny thing about this. Like, this is actually not like there's so much. And even though this has a lot more combat focus than just like only assassin assassinating people like the early ones, I guess. There's so much deep story that I'm excited to get on and find out what's happening next. You know, like there's this cult and they're like trying to control things in the background. And I'm going around and getting clues like I could easily be a lot more stealthy. And not do as much battling as I do, but I like the combat part of it. You know what I mean? But there's so much different story going on. It is just, I think you would really like it if you got into it. Because you can just get sucked into the story. And that's kind of what's happening to me. It was the same thing with Horizon Zero Dawn. Where I just, every time I played it, I was excited to progress the story and find out what's next. You know? Really good. Yeah, the, the I mean, the stealthy thing is appealing to me. The, I, I, I haven't, I mean, I think it was the second one and it was on my fucking like hp desktop in like 2002 or something that i was playing uh, the hitman <laughs> it might have been the first one i can't remember but uh i remember really enjoying like the like high high stakes and high detail stealth aspect of that game and i, I like because of that because of enjoying that experience and there have been a million hitman since i've often thought about taking a whack at one of those so that like that idea appeals to me i'm just yeah assassin's creed i don't know it's just something about it hasn't got me yet, but <laughs> yeah what about you man what are you jamming on well the cunts got me the <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the the 2k20 my player mode is pretty fucking cool and i, I am absolutely invested in playing the fucking game now it's, ah, nice. honestly except for animal crossing maintenance and a little bit of dragon warrior it's all i played really i mean i'll, I'll I told you <laughs> I'll, I'll, sit, I'll sit down and play because it because it, dude, it's it's so much better than playing, controlling a team and changing players. It's so there's so much. One, I, I am I can't even explain how much more invested I am in the outcome of the game. It's wild to me. Like really, I'll, I'll get put on the bench and you don't obviously have no control over what's happening, and yep. you don't even have you don't even have control when you're on the floor at all times, depending on you know your role in the offense or your role in the team. And that's of course getting bigger and progressing as my guy gets better and I'm better at the game, whatever. But the you know, when I'm on a bench and like I'm watching the fucking game and 
they're blowing it. Like I get, I just so upset. It's amazing to me how. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just like watching a game that I care about the team. It's wild to me how much I care about the outcome of these games. Uh, particularly, like I said, when I'm not actually actively participating. Because when I'm in the game, I'm usually pissed off about something else. So, like, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's a different experience for sure to be playing as opposed to watching. But I just can't believe how, how vested I am in the outcome. Uh, ah, anyway, so, have you ever right, fucked with this, this My Player mode at all? Do you know anything about it? Absolutely. So, I don't play it in on NBA, like the current version. But I played it completely in 2K... 15, 16, and 17. Like, I loved it. Like, the same thing. I just got sucked into it. But, like, I was just kind of, like, taking a break from it. And that's why I'm playing the other mode now. But, yeah, man, I I know exactly what you mean. You'll be, like, kicking butt. And, like, you bring your team back within one and then get sat on the bench. And you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Or, I mean, I am not... You know, I'll get into the gameplay, but yeah, there's a, there's a defense is impossible in that game. The yeah. uh, there's a whole bunch of control. Like the gameplay still pisses me. Like all my, my big concerns about wanting to play a modern sports game are all present uh, in this game. Like I, I get so frustrated with, especially the the basketball. I don't know, man. I remember this being like however long ago it was. It was still probably it must just be. I don't know. It's just a thing I haven't gotten used to, and I'm sure it's just the norm. And I'm bitching about something that is everyone's gonna be like, <laughs> what are you talking about, asshole? But like you don't. You don't, you, your guy, there's like this delay in, in application of what you're trying to execute between what I'm hitting the, what I'm doing on the controller and the output on screen. It's like the, you know, all so frequently I'm trying to drive the lane and he just pulls up for some awesome jump or awful jumper. And then, you know, trying to, I know it's inertia and like you, you know, physics. Yes. You're going to, you're not always going to have total control of your guy. That's realistic in, in a sense, but I feel like it is way over overkill. And anytime there is a, a player between you and the basket, no matter how close you are, uh, it acts like, you know, like I miss, I blow layups constantly and it's, I, I get I, players on my team do the same thing. It's not just me. It's like the gameplay, like they like layups get blown if they are contested at all constantly and it just i it infuriates me like the, the most gimme rabbit shots are come you know just wildly miss and it's i i can't it's so frustrating to me i get so pissed off but Dude, whatever i, Sorry, I yeah. have to agree i've had definitely several moments where i've blown layups and just been like that's impossible there's no way in real life this player with this rating would blow this layup like it's yep. impossible just, like yeah, there's, any, but any, but on the flip side, and jump shooting yeah. too, dude. In any any contest, you need to have space to hit a jump shot. Like there, you are not hitting a fucking contested jump shot. It's just not happening. <laughs> oh man, it feels that way. But then there's sometimes when somebody will be completely blocking the basket, and I'll just rise up and dunk on them. And it's just like I don't understand. Like I love that when that happens, when I can just just sidestep somebody or just back them in and just easily just body them. And it's I mean, amazing. That, that, but then it's like, come on. That, that's, that's a huge uh, detraction from my point is I don't understand. <laughs> like I, I, you know, I'm, I'm watching videos and shit. I'm like trying to figure it out. The, I just got the new, tr- like the, in the story, uh, I just got put in the starting lineup last night, actually. And the, nice. the assistant coach, I had a, I had a good game or two and the assistant coach paired me up with some specific trainer that had me do a bunch of, practice shit that i'd never done before and one of the things was a dribbling thing it's so cool how it introduces that to you and like i don't know it may even be it may be give it more credit than it's worth than it's due but you know i i don't use that shit in the game because i don't understand it and it's too fucking complicated and not with any proficiency anyways and you know the 
the fact that this specific trainer would pull me aside and like have me do a drill that specifically teaches me how to do something that's not that I'm not using in the game. Like that could just be chance, but if it's not, that's really fucking cool. You know what I mean? That if, if there, oh, yeah. there's, any, if there's right? any actual curation to the development of your player by the coaching staff, that's insane. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, that's like so you cool. do not use this. You should right. try to use this function. Right, right. What? Yep. So anyway, yeah, before I fucking, we, I, it's hard not to talk about the gameplay, but like the actual story mode, and this is why you, know, you say three years ago, dude, like I bet it's different now. <laughs> <'Cause> there <laughs> is, so there is a full on motion cap film that carries you through all the lead up to starting your rookie season. It's done in segments, broken up by actual gameplay scenarios that you play. And it's oh, yeah. fucking. Yeah, really well done. It's re- directed by this guy, Sheldon Candace, actually. Uh, fucking shout out to him for getting me to <laughs> give a shit about a, a, a AAA sports game for the first time in like nearly a decade. Uh, Idris Elba plays your college coach, for Christ's sake. Like, that's the, that's the caliber of talent in the movie, nice. which is really fucking impressive. And the guy that plays your agent is, he's pretty hilarious, too. At least, like, it's, it's funny, like, even like this level, I don't know. The, the guy that plays your agent in the kind of pre-draft prep coming out of college transition is mm-hmm. you get you get like passed off to a junior agent once you get drafted, which I bet very much is what happens with a, a player who is uh. not like a, a, a first. You know, I was not I had like my whole draft prop, like the whole story of this. And maybe this is not unique to this particular installment, but the, my whole narrative was your your player. Well, I don't know. Maybe I should. That's kind of a spoiler. Actually, maybe I shouldn't say that. But the yeah, like there, there there's there's something that makes your player a very controversial, a very politically controversial individual, and that is a huge factor in how your pre draft pre draft process works. And hmm. yeah, it's really fucking interesting. And there's a bunch of yeah. There's a, on top of the Idris Elba thing. There's a a shit ton of really good sports cameos. Scotty Pippen, Mark Cuban, Anthony Davis, of course, fucking LeBron. Uh, so the yeah the the like the cameo stuff is really good. There's a there's a there's a really commendable balancing and system impl- implementation of developing your dude in a realistic way, particularly again through like the whole pre-draft thing. Like you're you know part of the, actually part of the training segment happens in Marina Del Rey, which is like six minutes from my apartment. <laughs> Yeah, and I I could actually could recognize the actual Venice Beach courts that they at one point you have like a little moment with one uh, the 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 kid you're kind of like roomed with, you have a little moment out at the Venice Beach courts, and I was like, that's fucking the Venice. (laughs) I know exactly where that is. That is the exact Venice Beach courts. That was fucking wild. So yeah, I mean, just you know, the attention to detail is off the fucking charts. That's dope. Really, really cool. So and and you know the it it. Like I said, you, you, you come in, you know, you, it, it, all these movies and you, you're making these choices that determine how things go. And then there are, you know, you, that actually starts in a game scenario. It's like your first thing is like, you're playing a college game and something happens in the game that like creates a rift between you and your coach. And, and that's kind of where the whole mm. thing go, you starts. And, and yeah, so you like, you have these moments where you're coming in, like, you know, I got my, you can pick four towns that you're, that you can be from. I picked Chicago and. I go. There's one part where I go back to Chicago and Anthony. I have to play Anthony Davis one on one, like in a, like a charity thing or something. You know, he's just like fucking smacking the ball, fucking out of the goddamn. <laughs> like I'm like, I'm like a little six foot shooting guard with with lackluster stats at this point, and like yeah, Anthony Davis is just like sending my shit to the other side of the court, uh, every time I every time I went to the well, but. Yeah, just a lot of really, really cool shit, and it, it, I was wildly impressed, and it, it, I liked it so much that yeah, it got me to actually get through a lot of frustrating gameplay stuff <laughs> early on. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then, yeah, there's all, again, this, maybe this is not unique to this installment, but like there's, you know, there's a whole, it really focuses on the business side of it. There's, you know, the, the thing with the, you're, you're, you're trying to maintain your fan base and grow that because that translates to endorsement stuff that translates to you being able to progress your character stats in a, in a, in a, like a really cool economy way. That's also, it's very, like, I see people bitching about it online, but it's like incredibly incremental and gradual and. I that's mm. me, you know, so realistic and so much better than if you could just power your guy. You know, I'm like maybe 30 some odd games into my season and like, you know, I've I've made a little bit of headway on my character, but I think he's went up maybe a maybe two points since I started the season overall. You know what I mean? And that to me is a very realistic way as opposed to, you know, people wanting to fucking have by the end of their, you know, halfway through their, by the all-star break of, your, of season one, you're like an all-star caliber player. That's insane. You know, especially right. <laughs> if, if your pre-draft stuff goes like mine did where, you know, the, the, cause yeah, the, some of the drills for, for the combine and shit were infuriating and awful and impossible. And they had me, yes, wanting to throw my control through the screen. So, you know, I did, <laughs> I, I did not perform well. And that is how your actual physical attributes are determined. You know what I mean? So totally realistic that my guy should start from a disadvantaged position, you know? Yep. Yeah, they, they were like, the guy comes up to me and he tells me he's going to, I'm going to start. And I'm like, because I got drafted by the Clippers. I guess I should have said that earlier, but I got drafted oh, by nice. the Clippers, which is a good team, you know? And yeah. fucking, I'm a shooting guard. Paul George is the starting shooting guard of the fucking Clippers. I'm like, they told me I'm starting. I'm like, over oh, Paul George? That <laughs> 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 can't be right. And they didn't actually move it in, in so realistic fashion. They moved me to point guard, which is not where I, you know, I'm not a great facilitator at all, either in my stats or my performance. So the fact that they did that, is so much more realistic to me that they would bump Patrick Beverly, even though that wouldn't be my natural position. You know what I mean? It's oh, really nice. Yeah. So that was, that was really cool. So yeah, man, the, the, the business side of it, fucking LeBron's business guy is like, to- I was telling you via text, he's totally on my fucking tip. <laughs> <laughs> he's the dude trying to get you to do like, so like in the pre-draft process, you know, you're supposed to be training every day da, 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 and like you're, you're presenting these things that like, it does a, you know, it's sometimes that it's not, transparent enough and you can kind of like or it's too transparent rather you can be like i know what the good thing is here but a lot of times the questions are kind of like it's, it's a gray area and you don't really know it does a good job of presenting you these two options that does there's no necessarily necessarily right one you know what i mean and yeah like one of the one of the things lebron's business dude calls me i'm about to go work out and he calls me he's like or, or actually is my agent call me rather and say that he has this fucking a movie part that he wants me to do with Lonzo, with fucking Lorenzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma's punk ass, <laughs> like, what? What? Like, like skip practice and go shoot a movie. You know what I mean? Uh, to 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 raise your profile and just yeah, you know, like random ass shit like that. And then I like, and then we're we're shooting the movie, and the the guys are like, let's go fucking out back and play three on three. And I saw so us go out back and play three on three with Lorenzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and then some other fucking dudes. You know what I mean? Which is just it's just like a random way to get you some gameplay within the confines of the story and it's, you know, really, really just incredibly well done. I think front to back. It's really nice. Good. Nice. Yeah. That definitely sounds like pretty much like how 2k 17 was. Cause like Michael B Jordan was really in the game and like a lot of the things you're talking about are a lot of elements that were in 2k 17. So I, yeah, man, it's, I know they probably just up the game for that one. Cause it, even you talking about it makes me kind of want to go play that mode, but I'm like, no, cause th- then I'll play no other game. <laughs> both modes of nba 2k and nothing else <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean dude it's, it's an rpg like a great rpg story too but just sports i'm yeah, it's, i'm really impressed yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah like 
And yeah, you know, like I just mentioned, like the amount of how vested you are, like, Ka- like yeah. one. I think Kawhi's vibing on me. Me and me and Kawhi vibe pretty hard in practice. <laughs> and, when, and when we're in games together, it's cool. I, like I like I feel like I I, I can I feel like I can tell. Kawhi is low-key rooting for me, man. <laughs> like, I feel like he tries to involve me when I'm on the court. And, like, I feel like I, like we get paired up and practice a shit ton. Where, like, our lockers are next to each other. Like, I feel like there's, like, a, a, a genuine effort by the game to insinuate that he gives a shit about me. Which, you know, it's really, it's very interesting and, and really cool. Um, nice. But, yeah, the gameplay pisses me off all the fucking time. <laughs> Uh, some terrible shit to my TV. So yeah, man, that's like I said, that's literally all I, all I played. A little bit of Dragon Warrior on the NES, which we will uh, get into because we are going to be talking about it a lot for our side quest episode series. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I played a little bit of that too. Uh, I did wake up early this morning and catch all the new August bugs and fish before Amy could get a crack at them too. So that's I, I guess I got <laughs> a little bit of concentrated <laughs> Animal Crossing, but that's about it. Other than the two K two shit, two K twenty shit, rather. Okay, mag time. Fortress title theme track. I bet. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, for an '87, uh, which I believe is the, the release date on that game. That's that's not a bad, bad little NES ditty. So that is bringing us into Game Pro issue three here, and that is the September October '89 issue, 3.95 US dollar cover price. Another buck in Canada, as it goes. Everything about this cover artwork says to me that I'm supposed to perceive it as a ninja slashing through something with a katana while charging through it. Except for its focal point, which is the ninja's head. <laughs> <laughs> right? It looks yeah. like a the hoodie. Yeah. Oh my god, that's exactly yes, like, okay. Yes. <laughs> Drawstring hoodie. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Tightened, yes. Yes. by the way. Yeah. You're right, exactly. It's yeah, and so instead of the instead of the mass like the mask looked we are customarily fed for late 80s, early 90s video game ninjas. This cat looks like he's wearing a fucking hoodie with the drawstring <laughs> pulled extra tight and the little plastic caps locking them in place that way. So so like the hood, so the hood is in a way one might uh, wear it on a really cold day where you're just trying to block as much wind from hitting your head as, <laughs> your head as possible. <laughs> limited means available to you, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, that's I love it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, oh, God, that's incredible. Okay, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, it makes, of it makes course, it like a ninja, it makes him look like just a dude with a katana. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you look at it and it's like, okay, he's trying to mug me. Nope, he has a sword. Nope, he's a ninja. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like otherwise, you know, he's in all black. Although I would say even, you know, the the again, the, this is I not a ninja expert, but basically. <laughs> feel like i see the ninja outfit is usually a little more form-fitting this looks like a very loose and kind of thick material on even even his upper body i guess so it is maybe more than just his head that, that plays into this but yeah like yeah it looks like he's yeah absolutely 100 just wearing a hoodie it's like way too <laughs> and yeah. the hood thing is not at all uh, customary ninja style so so yeah, so he's in all black. There's bonsai-ish trees in the background. The foreground paper he's slashing up has traditional ancient Japanese image imagery, samurais, namely. And that's what's going on with the art, which is very interesting. I think definitely the most interesting Game Pro cover so far, <laughs> without a doubt. Those are sure. very boring, in my opinion. And other than the band at the top listing off, the, like 
so the the like the yellow way at the very top lists all the systems uh, and you know, Nintendo, Sega, Atari, TurboGrafx, Genesis. There is no mention on this cover of the big boys here. They don't get any shine, which I think is very interesting and yeah. uh, a little bit of a foreshadowing of what the the issue is going to be like. Or they're kind of focusing on other things, which was surprising, I guess. the The bullet points feature Atari's hot new handheld and the opportunity to win a TurboGrafx sixteen. And Phantom Fighter is NES and Wonder Boy, or Phantom Fighter is NES and Wonder Boy 3 is SMS, but no mentions of the systems themselves on here, you know what I mean? And also interesting to me is that the Genesis is mentioned up top there as a standalone entity. Sega is getting its own instance, you know what I mean? So, Oh, what's it kind of? Yeah, you know, that's kind of, I don't know, that's weird. And there are 10 packed pages of tips and tactics at the top headline, so prepare yourself for that. The inside cover is a two-page Taito deal advertising uh, Spectacular and a Half. <laughs> um, I mean, fucking look, look at this kid. <laughs> like, why, they, why did they do this to this kid? <laughs> like, like if, what do you... Yeah, like, I don't know. If, <laughs> if his friends were at all good friends, they are still <laughs> roasting him about this to this day. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. Uh, and and I, the, it's it's titled as a say rap say Taito say yo sweepstakes, which I actually don't think is the worst naming job considering what the underlying giveaway is. And the the giveaway is it's a t- the top prize is they're giving away a five day trip to NYC to see a taping of Yo MTV Raps. But my question is, how in the fuck does this kid represent that? <laughs> like, Not a clue. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing hip-hop or rapish about him at all. He's white, first of all, which is not a disqualifier, of course. Not a total disqualifier. <laughs> but this kid is really fucking white. <laughs> like, blonde, like really blondish hair styled in the Aquanet hairspray comb-over deal, you know? He he looks like he has a spray tan. <laughs> so he's, like, he's got that Trump reddish deal going on and, like, a very visible change at his hairline, you know what I mean? Of skin tone. <laughs> Yeah, the hair swipe, the hair swipe with the glasses. That is really, you're like surfer dude, cool. Right. Yeah, point. exactly. His sunglasses are Ray Ban sunglasses, which are again are like a very California surfer dude thing. And he has an extra clean white tee and some, some <laughs> like some some red sports pants, maybe sweats, maybe swishy style. I'm not real sure. That oh yeah, not, those yeah. are definitely swishies. Yeah. <laughs> You got the zipper. You see the zipper down there by the shoes. Oh, yeah. I did not clock that. That is a, that is a great identifying factor. Uh, I agree. So, yes, they are absolutely, definitely swishies. They look like surfer clothes, though. Uh, his Reebok high tops could maybe be something you'd see uh, at, an, like, an MTV Raps host rocking. Maybe. But I think the plain and white and black Reeboks were, like, they were they were not the hot athletic shoe at the time, for sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, a pair of Jordans or something would have been a little more, uh, of course... Anyways, they're giving all those things away as ancillary prizes, too, on top of the trip. And I actually was thinking, dude, like, it's New York, clearly. Do you think, has Vi- do you know whether Viacom's always been in that building in Times Square? Like, I wonder if... I feel like it would have to have been. <laughs> you know, because it's, I mean, I moved there in, oh, so, was it? Five. Oh, five, I think, no. yeah. I, was, I moved there in, oh, five. It was, oh, five for sure. August, oh, five. That's right, because I was there before you. Yep. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's TRLs right there. And like, man, what is that? 44th, maybe? 44th? And between 44th and 45th on Broadway. And it's got that kind of like overhanging TRL studio. I wonder if that's where it went down at or not. I can't remember. I honestly don't think I ever watched MTV Raps, dude. I didn't have cable back then. I watched it. I just don't remember. 
I don't remember knowing locations until like later, until we moved there. Then it was kind of just like, oh yeah, it's right here. Or like TRL, you know, because they always showed the freaking location, but I don't even remember. Yeah. I was the guy, I tried looking it up, you know, in, in a cursory uh look around before we before we flip on the recording here and i couldn't write the imdb locations are like manhattan compton <laughs> uh fucking <laughs> and then there's, there's yeah there's man as far as new york stuff goes there's manhattan and then there's tavern on the green they must have shot an episode of tavern on the green in in central park but mm. they didn't they didn't have the specific manhattan location so i wasn't able to nail it down unfortunately well, if you know listeners please email me i would love to know where yo mtv raps was filmed at <laughs> <laughs> or, or that was i'm sure that was taped i should say taped that was not filmed. Anyways, the entry form asks you to name five title NES titles, and there are five title NES titles pictured in the bottom left corner. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, no challenge at all. So they just want to they want to get your information and try to try to get you on the fucking mailing list is basically what's what they're saying there. And uh, we've talked about all the others as far as those games go, but uh, I'd never heard of Demon Sword before, which is which one is that? I think it's the bottom left one there. And it's so I, I fired it up and, and and took a look at it. It's got some pretty fucking cool title screen music, and and uh, rather title screen and a company music track. But the gameplay is a side-scrolling action platformer with these really floaty jump physics and some climbing mechanics and shrieking throwing galore shit. It's very, it's incredibly a la Legend of Cage, which is also a title game, so that's not surprising to me. I mean, do you mm. remember that game at all? Vaguely. Like, I definitely remember the name for sure. Yeah, you're like, you're playing kind of like a samurai ninja type you know, very traditional Japanese warrior kind of deal. And he's jumping around, you're trying to save a Japanese princess and like, it's all martial art themed shit. But the, yeah, the, the physics of that game too, are just so fucking, I can't even explain it, dude. It's like the, the jumping is insane. You fly. So it's like being on the moon, dude. It's, yeah, it's like, they're, <laughs> they're so floaty and bad in my opinion. And this game very much has that kind of same thing going on. Um, the guy in the cover does not look very Japanese, though. <laughs> like he's like, it's just, uh, as the gameplay would suggest, he should. He looks like we were talking about earlier, Viking, actually, like a Conan-ish kind of dude. And, yeah, he's and, Diesel. He's just standing on the cover, freaking bare-chested with a flaming sword. I mean, that's yeah. yeah. Uh, nothing in the game suggests that's what your sprite should look like, but <laughs> it also sucks, just like Legend of Cage. So it does have it did have some RPG elements that I thought were mildly interesting and, and a little of Legend of Cage, but. The, you know, the mechanics of the gameplay were very, very bad and unplayable, in my opinion. I'm I'm impressed you did that. I, when I was looking at when I was looking for music tracks, actually, because of the, one of the songs, I looked at it too, and I was like, eh, nope, not playing that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a fucking soldier, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So next up is the TOC and that same tired ass Hal America ad for Ventures of Lolo we've seen in all three Game Pro issues. And then yeah. the letter from the editor is the next up. And they refer to themselves as the Game Pros in this case. And then you get the masthead after that. The letter informs us that Game Pro is going monthly with the November installment. So it appears they're beating both Nintendo and Sega to the punch on that front. You know, they're going. Mm. So. Yeah, and I couldn't remember if they were bi-monthly before this. Like, how often were they before? Yeah, they were bi-monthly, yeah. That's what I thought, yeah. 
first three uh, issues. So they're going to we're going to, have to deal with GamePro more often than than either of the other systems for a little bit. Uh, I think Nintendo Power. Not sure. It's coming up that they go monthly, but I, I think there's a little bit of a gap. So, anyways, uh, they have a the second paragraph there starts with "In the meantime, while you're waiting, crack open the cover of this issue of GamePro, which is something I have clearly done if I'm reading this." <laughs> <laughs> so, could have could have done better on the copywriting there. They mentioned that with the series coming up to check out their Reggie Jackson baseball on SMS feature, and I fucking love. When companies dance around saying Super Bowl or World Series or whatever because the sports leagues are too cunty to not be litigious about you. <laughs> I just, it is so satisfying to me, like the level of like corporate apprehension necessary to, you know, adhere to that. Uh, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess that they are litigious entities. And sure, maybe if you say World Series there, you're going to get a letter or something. But I don't know. I just can't imagine living in the universe like that. <laughs> <sighs> I'm sure it would be okay nowadays. You know, I've, you know, I'm sure people want their marketing as much as possible nowadays. No, I still, I, like, so I, I listen to, I listen when I listen to the Buffalo radio uh, sports local shows, which is probably too much. And they, <laughs> When I, whenever they mention, they can't, and they do not say Super Bowl on the radio. They, and like, you know, every time, what? They, particularly the really savvy, I shouldn't say that. Everyone does it at this point because it's such a beaten, beaten dead horse that anytime they have to do it, they make light of the fact that they have to do it. You know what I mean? So they like not only do it, but point it out. So yeah, it's very much still a thing to say the least. Wow. Yeah, which is, I agree, it's fucking amazing. You would think, like, why the fuck wouldn't they want you to say to promote their shit? <laughs> like, yeah. Say Super Bowl all you want, asshole. Like, that's, we're making the money off of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I get, like, if you're, like, selling, like, a Super Bowl thing, you know, if you're trying to, like, use the trademark in some way to profit. I mean, and, and yes, a broadcast entity is profiting off the simple fact that they are broadcasting. But I don't know. Yeah, to me, that's overkill and a half. Yeah. I'll get the, the, the idea there. I could see here in the game because it's a game, but that you're selling, but I, yeah, not on the radio. So they inform Genesis players not to fret that Genesis pro views will start in the next issue. And that's pretty fucking exciting for me personally. The system was released. <laughs> it is odd though, in all honesty, because the system was released in North America on January 9th of 89. Like how in the fuck are we not talking about it at length on this podcast yet? Like how bad is Sega at their job? <laughs> Where we are covering the universe, the gaming universe in chronological order, and we are now, this is September, we are nine months past the release date and have not said a word about the Sega Genesis other than just like, you know, it's coming kind of thing. You know, like the, the, the Sega newsletters don't talk about the games, don't talk about the system other than I think they might have mentioned in that last one that it was coming, you know, that it was a thing mm -hmm. that was happened. But there was no in detail coverage of the games, the launch titles, nothing like there's no. I don't know. It's insane to me. You know what I mean? Even here, like, game. This is we've looked at three game pros now. Like, why? How bad? Like, why isn't Game Pro covering it? You know, they're covering other Sega shit. It's not like they're anti-Sega. Like, what is the reason? Like, it's got to be because Sega's doing such a bad job of marketing that Game Pro doesn't see a need to. You know what I mean? So 
either that or there's some breakdown on Sega side where they don't want to give out information like details. It's out. I don't know, man. It's it's I don't know, man. It was released in January, dude. It's been out for nine months. It's been on store shelves. Like, no, what the no, fuck? No, no, but I'm okay. but I'm thinking, but the pro views, like we're talking about for games, though. I mean, like, if like if they don't want to give out just game details guides i, I don't know it, it's still like i'm i'm grasping the straws here you're like repeating the same idiot philosophy they were just talking about with the fucking like no nope. like why like no don't talk about our stuff that's bad for us like <laughs> no way man. there's just no way yeah good thing they came to their senses eventually yeah, well uh, yeah, tom kalinsky dude we'll, we'll get into that but tom kalinsky the, the change that needs to happen for Nintendo or save america for fucking things to get right over there anyhow a lean single page mail section follows that and the first letter from lewis navarro in castaic california tells the game pros that they've made a real slippery magazine and I, was that something that the kids were saying in 89 I, like i've never heard I've never heard that yeah I've never heard What's this that? slang slippery meaning something good i mean like slick you know i can i can see the idea like i'm able to infer what he's communicating but i've never heard that before i thought that was interesting yeah i got nothing there i was like i, I just thought it was weird i was like uh maybe you're from another country nope you're from the united states yeah, I just don't get it yeah. <laughs> uh, it is probably i think it is rural california to some degree so that's kind of like another country. But Ann <laughs> uh, Rockwell, a 67-year-old gamer in Walkerton, Indiana, is calling for retro appreciation in our retro mag here. And <laughs> wants to see shit on older games that didn't get write-ups. Those are exact words. And GamePro says they're going to oblige the request with a section called Pro Classics. And the reason this is, is significant to me, does this make the game pros the very first video gaming retro heads? Do we owe them for our very existence, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> this is the first acknowledgement of retro video you know what i mean like i don't i can't think of another time i've seen someone talk about like we need to appreciate our history in, in video games you know what i mean i've never seen in the that. year of 1989 on top right. of it like which is yeah you know that's only that's only 12 years after the 26 i'm pretty sure it was 77 that the 2600 dropped so they've been they've been in existence total for 12 years certainly not that that's not like you know, NES. It's like a, it's like a it, usually like at least like a twenty year cycle on the on the nostalgia appreciation thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So. so this will probably be the beginning for sure because obviously I think of this time Nintendo NES release time and then Sega release time as kind of the the golden age of gaming. You know what I mean? Because Atari we've talked about it was great. You know, but it was not on the same level as like there's yeah. such a generational step up between Atari and Nintendo and. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. On a semi-similar note, Jeff Waster Westerman of Sacramento, California, writes in with some scathing commentary of GamePro, <laughs> having not mentioned the Atari 2600 once in their first couple of issues. <laughs> His exact words are, do you realize how very few Nintendos and Segas there are, <laughs> are out there compared to the 2600? I am surprised at you people. <laughs> I have played Nintendos, Segas, and all other Atari models, and I prefer the 2600 to all of them. And you know shit is getting serious when someone throws out a you people during their vitriol. Right? <laughs> I read that, and I was like, what? Dude, this man, I, I just could not believe that. I was like, wow, he went hard. And, you know, on one hand, I'm like, despite the obvious anger going on underneath this, 
I can understand where he's coming from. Like, I'm sure at this time there were perhaps more Ataris oh, out no, there. Way more. Yeah. But 2600 was, I mean, it sold for fucking, like we just said, like, look at this thing for years. 12 years. So, yeah. Just, I mean, a lot of them are probably sitting in closets at this point. <laughs> exactly. But, but that's do, the thing. Like, he, he lost me when he said he prefers the Atari 2600 to all of them. I'm like, okay, dude. Like, really? Like that's that's clearly a preference thing because <laughs> yeah, the, objectively the best and highest generation and what is actually selling right now worldwide are these games. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. nice job, Jeff, though. We appreciate your input. Yeah. Did you stop to think that maybe that statistic exists, Jeff? Because the twenty six hundred came out over a fucking decade prior to <laughs> Did you stop to think about that point or that counterpoint to your point? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're not discussing the invention of the wheel in this magazine either. Is that all right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, love it. Yeah. The editors then try to contrast and defend their place in Genesis <laughs> with a letter from David Chan in L.A. asking that they stop diddling with the Atari shit in the mag altogether. <laughs> <laughs> right? Altogether. So yeah, clearly, clearly, you are not a you do not you do not have a universally shared opinion, Jeff. Uh, David. Yeah. Martin fucking launch into the sun entirely <laughs> yeah so much action packed into just one page here i'm sweating <laughs> it's good stuff man game pro coming at it coming with it that, you know we the, we've talked about kind of like the impetus for even wanting to include game pro in this and like the contrasting of the systems and like wanting that uh common battleground to, you know somewhere for that to occur because it's not going to occur in the sega and, and, and nintendo proprietary magazines like that this is the first time that i felt my my prayers have been answered <laughs> <laughs> right and this is like and we've talked about it before i'm thinking about how i would have felt if i had been reading game pro at this point because i'm pretty sure i didn't read it until i was no. like a teenager like at least 13 or whatever but like if i had seen this and i'm date i'll date myself i'm nine years old at the time I only have, I'm pretty sure I only have a Atari still. And so I would be excited for more Atari at that point because I just feel left out and sad that I don't have a Nintendo. For sure. Yeah. That I'm not, yeah. I'm not this poor lonely child in the, in the, <laughs> <laughs> like it's exciting to read about all the other cool stuff that I can't wait to get. But at the same time, okay, let, show me cool Atari stuff that I know my parents are actually going to buy me. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very torn. Would have been a very torn place for you. <sighs> that slippery NES Capcom ad for Mega Man 2 and Strider again on the next page here. We've seen that before. And then a two banger ad for Jalico's Bases Loaded on NES comes next. And we haven't seen this. This is pretty cool. It's got it's a full page photo of a living room scene. There's baseball gear strewn about and a Nintendo with bases loaded fired up on it. And they put a hologram of home plate. The full on at bat going on. It was like the hitter, catcher, umpire, the whole deal in front of the TV. And it's, you know, obviously implying that you feel like you're there in your living room playing baseball and, uh, with the major leaguers and shit. And that's pretty cool. Pretty well done. Especially, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't see, you know, there's photos. You know, like, we've definitely talked like that before. Like, fucking a Photoshop idea like that probably took an eon. And I did, you know, it took so long to do that that you just got to. Tip your hat and say, good job for doing that work, boys. <laughs> right? Like, it's a great marketing idea. Like, excellently executed. Like, I just made that up. Sounds great. But, uh, yeah, for 89, kudos. They could have just slapped the fucking the, the, the Nintendo 
portion of that in the corner. They could have just zoomed in on that and had an ad that was fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they definitely went the extra mile with that one. After that is two pages of the Cutting Edge Hardware Preview, which is broken up with the Power Glove full pager, which we've seen that before. But as far as the Cutting Edge Hardware Preview shit goes, they have Hudson Soft's NES controller peripheral, and it looks just like a standard controller, but has turbo switches and a stereo headphone jack. And then Hap Control, a company I've never heard of, with another NES controller offering. It's got turbo switches, slow-mo function, looks like a, like a little Genesis controller kind of actually. And the copy on both mentions the turbo feature shot per second metric, <laughs> which is basically the number of button depressions per second the turbo switch creates when you when you have it on and press the button. And I don't just just amused me that they like have these very specific statistics metric, you know, kind of thing. I've never seen that before. And Hudson Soft loses out with a 15 SPS to HAP Control's 18 SPS. So, you know, if you're making your choices based on that metric, Jay, <laughs> you, have to, you have to go with the HAP Control <laughs> in this case. The- this was so confusing to me because when I first looked at that, I thought I thought the Competition Pro was a freaking Sega controller. Like that's what I thought it was at first. And then <laughs> but like the shots per second, what games were people playing? Like I don't remember playing any type of games back in this point where that was a metric or something that I needed to do. You know, I'm playing Mario, I'm, well, I'm playing like Zelda. Contra. If you're playing like Contra, you want that you want as many bullets out there as possible. You have unlimited am- ammunition. How many bullets can I get out there? You know, so yeah, I'm a lot of the, it's it's a shooter thing for sure. You know, that's what I would say is that it's a shooter uh, a shooter minded metric. <laughs> I mean, I that's mean, a, a super fun cheat. Like if, if that worked for something like Contra, and I could just basically keep my S spray constantly just spraying yeah. everywhere, like Dude. that would be awesome. When we when we when we we gotta play Contra at some point, I'm sure it'll happen with that fucking game. I mean, that's my fucking yes. sprite on, on, on the. Yeah, that's, that's uh, a parsec. We gotta yeah. parsec that. <laughs> yeah, get out, get out uh, the NES Advantage and fucking and, and see see what it does for you. It's incredible. <laughs> it makes that game get work. her done. Uh, way less of a a pain on your hand for sure. I like it's it's almost like uh, like it elderly handicap too like i don't know like as a kid that stuff didn't bother me as much nintendo thumb was just a joke but as an adult it's a real problem after playing nes sometimes uh, yeah the second page of the hardware deal here the tech cutting edge shit is all about atari's portable handheld machine the links and it states the oh. msrp is under 150 bucks which i'm guessing means 149.99 <laughs> on the dot and that's not fucking bad considering a it sports a full color screen and you know the, the game the game boy was 89.99 with its monochrome screen and so i mean comparatively that's a pretty good price for a full color thing i'm sure i've never fucked with one of these i've heard good things like it's it's a, it's you know it's something I hear talked about on the retro pods and shit that I listen to kind of fondly and 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 a little bit you know it, Atari we've talked about before Atari's marketing especially at this point was just not good and they did a bad job of getting this out there and the t- and the software support was not good enough to really support a handheld or any sort of system let alone a handheld system that had a higher price point than Game Boy so there's, there's a lot of things going against it but I hear it remembered fondly so it. You know, it probably wasn't as good as the Game Gear, which came out a little later as far as the full color screen goes. But uh, comparatively with what was available to you at this time, the fact that it didn't do a, a, a make a bigger splash is kind of sad, I think. Oh, man, I wanted one of these so bad. Like, I was so, 
so pumped you know again i'm, sure I'm an atari dude letter for yeah oh. i'm sure you got some newsletters oh, and shit about this for sure <laughs> oh man i it was one of those things i always wanted and then it died off before i ever got upgraded my video game situation did you, so like, did you you know fucking play one at toys r us or anything did you have any actual exposure to it did you get to play the thing i don't know i never got to actually play it only in ads only in ads that i ever see it I might have to go see see if I can search and find one. Oh. <laughs> now that I'm an adult, you can definitely probably, actually scoring a real one probably hard, but I'm sure they have. There's no doubt, and there's emulators for everything. <laughs> I know, but I'd, I'd want to play the real one. Yeah, know, if, sure. Especially if can... again with that screen, I, I'd want to see how that screen actually works. I, I'm sure you can watch. Exactly. Although on a YouTube video, again, you're not going to get the same. The same. Yeah. Thing. Be there and uh, watch YouTube video. So yeah, and they so they have six games pictured here and. I like I've never even I can't even recognize any of the names other than California games, which was on everything. So, of course, it was right. Uh, and, and that, you know, therein I already mentioned it, but therein lies Atari's problem in a nutshell. They always go a little bit of like the janky route <laughs> on everything. with the games. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's in everything like the market. Everything is just kind of like a little, you know, eh, we don't need to spend like B level spending on everything. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I, th- I have to agree because. Like if you look at the upper right, monster demolition yeah, that exactly. that looks like it's broke, rampage. It's broke ass rampage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> broke ass rampage. It's the most generic name possible for like if you're going to make a knockoff, for fuck's sake, spend a second to do something with the packaging of it that makes it attractive and gets you any hope of traction against the thing you're ripping off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not just like the B level knockoff that no, the people recognize and immediately discount because they see it's a knockoff. Yeah. I don't want your fucking circle. O cereal. Fuck off. I'm <laughs> like, unless mom makes me get the janky thing. <laughs> like, right? I'm not, yeah. Then I have no choice. That, that's your only hope. And, but it, you know, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be the way you approach it from the beginning. Oh, we get a Sunsoft ad for Fester's Quest on NES, and I've never seen this before. It's pretty pretty cool. The ad itself isn't anything too epic. Just a kid playing the game, <laughs> playing, playing the game <laughs> way closer to the TV than his mom would have wanted. But <laughs> there there is a cutout form to mail in and subscribe to a free Sunsoft Direct newsletter, though. And the newsletter is called Sunsoft Game Times. So look this up. They have them on RetroMags.com, or they have issues three, four, and five on there, anyways. And I checked it out, and I, dude, like. Yeah, you know, it's nostalgia is such a funny thing. The second, like something that you just had completely had been wiped from your memory, and you see it for the first time since you know whenever the last thing, last time you had recall or, or possession of it, like it's amazing what that does to you. I had issue three for sure. The, the link to that will be in the show notes, of course. And it's, oh. it's yeah, it's a really fucking cool for being. You know, these things are usually just I don't know. They're just again, they're kind of just like a half-assed effort to create you know something to send people to make you remember that sunsoft exists so when you go to the game store and you see sunsoft you think that that's something you want you know what i mean like that's usually like they usually feel that way and this one actually is pretty well done dude it's a eight page deal uh i think any kid would have fucking loved it it's full color tons of screenshots interviews with programmers and play testers game consolers etc sunsoft's one of the companies that had their own Remember, we saw that list and they have in this issue too the list of all the the, the developer companies that had their own specific hotline to call in for their games you know sunsoft was mm-hmm. one of the ones that had their own hotline so they had their own game counselors so they talked to some of those dudes and mm-hmm. there's game tips of course you know so it's pretty well done and like i said yeah the, the the links in the show notes i recommend checking them out they're pretty fun 
also call themselves the title holder next to their logo at the bottom, which I dig as a boast. <laughs> <laughs> the title holder. <laughs> okay. Yeah, what title? Like, nope, doesn't matter. It's the title. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you need to know, sir. How did the arcades comes next? And it's three games, as always. They got Cyberball from Atari, which is American football with robots and team management as- aspects. And I honestly would be curious to know more. Do you? It, it made me think of Base Wars. You ever play that on NES? No, I definitely remember it, but I never got to play it. Yeah, it was like baseball, robot baseball in the future. And you could like mod and soup up your players and stuff. And then when you got to like, kind of like arch rivals uh, in the sense that like when you got <laughs> when you when you get when, as, a, as a base runner, when you got to a base and had if you were going to get that there's like a throw out contention or anything, you, yeah. you it would go to a cut to a side view full on robot battle and they would just fight to the death. <laughs> nice yeah like really fucking and, like, and, and it wasn't you know sometimes you get something like that and it's not well like that component of it is not well done it's kind of just like a you know a throw-in mechanic like it the battle is like a good it's it's more interesting than the baseball and i like i, I usually kind of enjoy baseball games so that's not a, a throwaway remark at all and interestingly enough Arch Rivals from Valley Midway is the next game on here, <laughs> which is yeah. Awesome. So it's a it's a very combative a, a very combative sports title uh, feature here, uh, because I, we've talked about this before too. Yeah, and I fucking love this game. You can just two on two basketball game where you can knock motherfuckers out. Like I love it. <laughs> like yes, just, this was the classic knock them out basketball. Oh man, it was, yeah. just running yeah. down the court like just literally that full your fist pulled back at all times. It's <laughs> <laughs> running to cold cock someone at any moment, you know, uh, at all times. Uh, and honestly, not again. Kind of just like yes, that's the, the the attractive part of that game, but it's not a bad basketball game either. You know what I mean? It's not like that's the only fun component of it. Like it's actually, you know, it's not NBA Jam tier because we're talking the the generation prior. But it, for what's available to you on the NES, like I'm I'm not sure I can think of a a a better looking or a better playing two on two kind of street ball game. You know? Oh I think yeah, it was mentioned like it's mentioned like in hoops but I, I never got into that so i can't compare it but yeah it was it was good but i mean yeah our rivals clearly was the best and twenty gold from taito which is a flying helicopter shmup a dime a dozen especially in the arcades so that rounds out that feature and just for ann rockwell of walkerton indiana we get pro classics now and it is a two banger on an sms title fantasy zone this is a 1986 Sega side-scrolling flying shmup, and it's so old we haven't encountered it on the pod yet, I don't believe. So, like, even going through the all the old Sega newsletters, I don't remember ever seeing this game. And that's interesting because your sprite is Opa Opa, which is described as a sentient spacecraft on its on the Sega wiki. But uh, they were it was low-key Sega's mascot for an early stretch in the SMS era before switching gears to Alex the Kid, so... Really? Yeah, yet another atrocious marketing choice from Sega, a vehicle with no face for a mascot. Like, no, you know, like, no... A mascot needs to have, like, a a humanistic quality to them that you can endear yourself to. Yeah, some type of personality you can infer from. (laughs) Yeah, so... Another shitty decision on their part. But yeah, for that reason, it's surprising that I hadn't really fucked with it yet. Um, I I was surprised that I had it over and over again because it was kind of like their staple deal, you know, early on. But yeah, it's supposed to be an uh, SMS classic. My uh, 
by measures other than just being called as such here in GamePro. Like I said, it's something that <laughs> the system, it's, it has a good reputation on the system as being one of the early good games. But I fired it up, and I can't I can't even begin. It's fucking, it's kind of pretty, albeit cutesy, but not fun by any measure whatsoever. So <laughs> This did not look fun at all, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm just looking at this like, uh, no, I'm going to yeah. pass. They have, they have, I think they're illustrations of the first seven levels. It's not, I'm not exactly sure that they're not screenshots, but yeah, it's like maps of the first seven levels. And they also have some boss info and a little bit of strategy about it, but couldn't get into the game enough to implement any of their information to know whether it was of any value. It did seem like there was some kind of like, there's like a store, like RPG elements, basically. There's like a store system you could build on your ship and develop it, which is cool, I think, especially if there's, it's not just pickups in game with so many flying shmups. That's how you, that's where the narrative is that you're just picking shit up randomly as you fly around and there's real no determination to it. You're just randomly getting shit, which is one of the things I hate about flying shmups actually. So the idea that it's kind of more deliberate and you get to choose how you develop your thing is, is appealing to me, but I'll have to get into that. Man. <laughs> exactly. Uh, after that, we there's a one pager for FCI's World Championship Wrestling, aka WCW, the WWF's Turner-owned rival for NES, and they have the Road Warriors on the cover, or the Legion of Doom, as I like to think of them, which is the moniker they would go by when Turd Cody <laughs> WWF ranks. And I fucking loved these dudes, dude. Do you remember? Uh, yeah. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah, this. Fa- yeah, favorite tag team by a fucking mile. Hawk and Animal were the main two members' nicknames. Their get-up was yep. this, if you somehow are... Uh, if you care about wrestling and somehow don't know this, which I find astonishing. <laughs> yeah, their whole get-up was like this really extreme face paint and football shoulder pads that were covered in black spikes. They were like orange shoulder pads covered in black spikes. And the opening of their WWF... <laughs> the, or rather, the opening of the WWF LOD ring entrance shit started with one of the guys saying... <laughs> What a rush! <laughs> <laughs> what a rush! Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I'll drop that video to that in the show notes for sure. And yeah, so the the and then you know this really intense music would fucker have been. And Michael Hegstrand, who was Hawk, died in 03 at age 46 of a heart attack while sleeping. Surprisingly, saw nothing about drugs on his wiki, which so many of these 80s and 90s wrestling dudes have toxicology hits on their autopsies, you know. So. Wow. Kind of a bummer that that seemingly wasn't the case, but he still died that young. It's a testament to how fucked up those dudes had to live their lives, I think, probably. But the other dude, Joseph Laurinaitis, who who was Animal, is still rocking and rolling at age 59, so good for him. Anyways, the game, it doesn't come out until next year, so we don't have to talk about it yet, but FCI games tend to blow ass, so (laughs) Uh, I'm not optimistic about ever Does this game ring a bell to you at all? It does not. Like, I, I mean, again, I don't know. Like, I loved wrestling. I just don't remember ever playing this. Like, it just does not. Yeah. I was I'm not. to look it up. I was so, again, because I was not. WCW was on Turner. So, mm-hmm. had I had cable, maybe my stance would have been different. But because I did not have cable, there was no way for me to watch this. And that made me, you know. And, and it was already, like, the, the redheaded stepchild to the WWF. You know what I mean? Comparatively. Right. So. It just be those two things working in tandem. Like there was just no way I would give a shit about WCW. So that's probably why it never got into my NES. But 
Uh, I'd be curious to know whether it was any good because, like I said, FCI games, not so hot. I do like their slogan at the bottom, not just kids stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you got to, I mean, it makes sense, especially with all the fighting in the background. I mean, they got to just promote some kind of different message. <laughs> sure, but dude, that's not, the thing is, that's not just this game. Dude. Like FCI has a bunch of fucking games, most of them bad. So that's like their slogan. Like the idea that, <laughs> and, and I don't think of them. You know, I don't think of them for like so they're bad. So that that's part of them. Like you know, to be an adult tar- if, if if all your games are targeted for adults and they're bad, like that's a bad combination because adults are more <laughs> discerning. You know, what I mean, they're more critical. So that's a bad combination. I don't know. Anyways, another full page ad for a ma- uh, for a different mag called PC Games Magazine, touting itself as the ultimate buyer's guide for MS DOS recreational software. I tried looking this up. And I had some serious difficulties, so I'm guessing it did not last. But I was fascinated by computers. I probably, like, I had, I, before I ever had a computer, I had, like, a disc collection. That's, I should not, actually, I can't believe I haven't mentioned this already, talking about discettes for Strider. But, yeah, I had a disc collection of discs for in, like, computer games before I had a computer. Like, that's how badly I wanted a computer and was fascinated by it. <laughs> I was finding ways to acquire things either by like I remember I remember stealing a computer a different computer magazine not this particular one from a uh, what were those places called a convenient remember convenient marts they have those down in in Columbus they were like it was was like an orange sign and all these yellow C's and it was convenient mart and obviously they were just like little 7-Eleven kind of stores did you have those down there that might all I don't think so sounds like a UDF type of thing very yeah, very exactly the same. They're probably owned by the same company and just different marketing. <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah, so. yeah, yeah, the exact same thing for sure. And uh, I remember stealing a fucking magazine one from there to get the disc that they had as like a giveaway soft uh, shareware software thing that was attached to the magazine. Oh my god! To like get my hands on a disc that I couldn't even use. What a psychopath! <laughs> <laughs> oh Josh, <laughs> we gotta talk about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So the Adventures of Game Pro comic comes next, and I've been on the edge of my seat the last month wondering what happened to our boy Alex, actually, from the, from the first installment of this. And Right? Yeah, our boy Francis Ma is back as the writer and the artist in this one, so that's good. And Alex makes a fratty joke about dating Miss Pac-Man at one point, and I thought that was very uh, in-character but off-color. <laughs> <laughs> and he does frag a Battletron, though, and then learns this sort of thing is going to be his life for a while now, as far as how the story progresses. It is pretty cool that they continue it. I mean, I was actually, I had forgotten about this until we read it, and I was like, oh, nice. Yeah. Tell me what happens next. Right. So, to be continued. And I still care about this way more than any of the Howard Nestors. So, yeah. This is- right? Like, I'm Howard Nestor is very much throwaway. Yep. Big, big step up from that. And the next page after that is a full page outlining the parameters of the TurboGrafx-16 giveaway contest. And you just got to fill out their marketing survey form and mail it in. And they're giving away one console, five pairs of games, and 20 GamePro t-shirts. So getting that out into the world. And that's probably why, like I said, they that's it gets so much love. Like TurboGrafx probably dumped, or NEC rather, the company that made the TurboGrafx probably dumped a bunch of dough on them for this issue, you know? Oh, yeah, I'm sure, because it is throughout. <laughs> it's definitely prominently placed in this, baby. And then we get a Bandai ad with a few, where they slew, rather, of NES titles, we're told, are excellent. Uh, and, and and they're featured across the tables from that. And we get Bandai Golf, Challenge Pebble Beach, Shooting Range, 
ISOH Alumnus Monster Party, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Wild Boys, and Street Cop. And golf and Dr. Jekyll we've talked about. Golf isn't a very isn't a bad golf sim at all. Jekyll is one of the biggest side-scrolling action platformer dumpster fires of all time, <laughs> as we mentioned. And we played Monster Party for a game up while I was in New Mexico in March. And if you want to hear more about that, uh, definitely go back and listen to that episode. Or at least the Japanese prototype of it. We didn't play the actual NES release. But sure. Wild Boys was apparently canceled. A beat-em-up, so there was no way to fire that up. But Street Cop is a power pad game I'd never heard of. You use the pad to chase crooks and the controller to billy club them when you catch up to them. <laughs> Which Interesting. I would, I would like to try just for the novelty of it. I mean, I got to fucking get my ass a power pad. <laughs> <laughs> a tested one, I, this led to me going to eBay just to take a cursory look. And a tested and working one is only 40 bucks, which is shocking to me. Like, that's a, it's a very fair price for a relic that likely was not easy to keep in good shape. You know what I mean? Like, it's a. Uh, not, I mean, it is rubber, but it's. It, I, I remember it being kind of brittle and, and not. It was not the highest quality thing, in my opinion. So the idea of having one from 30 years ago that's in good enough shape to still work and be worth selling is. You'd think 40 bucks would require more, or it would require more than 40 bucks to get you to part with that if you've held on to it for this long. But Heck yeah, unless you just found it somewhere right. <laughs> where it's been in like an airtight bin for the last 20 years or something sure yeah but i mean yeah it was that was it was not just like a one instance thing there were a bunch of them on there in that, around that price point so it's kind of oh, like the market, market you know yeah it's such an insane purchase though like that's that's off the retro collecting deep end in my opinion Imperial Scrolls of Honor listeners. This is Steve from the Franken Culture Podcast, your bi-weekly video game podcast full of news, reviews, and opinions on the industry today. Find us in your favorite podcast app under Franken Culture Presents. And now, here's Jay and Josh. That was the Wonder Boy 3 Monster Lair jungle theme from the arcade iteration of the game. Bringing us into, or rather, bringing Steve from the Franken Culture Podcast into uh, this this section, <laughs> as, as <laughs> mentioning the Franken Culture Podcast, which is a another pod that you can uh, drop into your quay if you're looking to to add to your to your pottery database. And it's I actually listen to the they have a range of different types of shows on the on the on the feed, which is kind of cool. I think that it's pretty diversified. But they they have a movie one I listened to the other day as the Con Air episode of it's called Used to Be Better. Uh, on their feet. Oh. I believe, I'm assuming anyways, I haven't listened to them all, but I'm assuming that they're all comical dissections of a particular feature film. And uh, I was thoroughly entertained. <laughs> uh, and I fucking <laughs> love, love that movie. That is one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies. That and and Armageddon both are, are Michael Bay movies that I, uh, a little, I'm a little ashamed to say I love because of how snobby I claim to be on the, on the film front, but I, I can't get enough of both those movies. Oh man! Anytime anyone says Con Air, I just immediately think Nicolas Cage, like with his hair blowing, like <laughs> yeah, that, like immediately. They, they talk about that part at length, and actually, <laughs> Steve, Steve's Nick Cage impression is pretty on point. I told him on their Facebook page. <laughs> yeah. he's, got, he's got a pretty impressive I was like damn man. like I was listening I was uh, listening to the shower Steve if that makes you excited I was actually listening to the shower 
to the episode and uh, they they fucking he he broke into a Nick Cage impression. I was like, damn, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they also have a show dedicated to exclusively video games, news, etc. So that's uh, probably the tight knit affiliation that that we're doing that swap about, but. There's a bunch of interesting shit on the feed if you want to check it out. And the first thing we're getting into here in the second part of the magazine is Atari developed Mindscape published 720 on the NES launches mm. us into the ProView section. And it's a skateboarding ditty, probably the chief NES rival to Skate or Die, I would say, but does not drop till December. So we'll discuss it at a later date. And after that, they have an FCI, UGG, as I mentioned, <laughs> uh, title <laughs> Fan Fighter I've never seen up next. And I would have assumed this is just a trash fighting platformer, but the feature suggests it's got some semi-nonlinear gameplay and RPG elements going on in it. And the latter is, is much more correct than the former, so kudos to them for making a game with a little bit of depth to it. And yeah. uh, I fired it up to fuck with it at all. Did you Have you ever seen this before? I have not, but it looks intriguing, man. I I feel like I, I would love a Nintendo power meter right now. Like, what do people think about it right now? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, because, yeah, like, I kind of want to mess around with it. Those, so. are, those, are, those are coming for sure. So, yeah, I fired it up. You, you have a menu after a rather interesting and well-done title sequence where uh, you choose the message speed in the game. So you know you're going to be reading some text associated with the story if you have that at the start. Dragon Warrior has that at the start, you know? Like, how fast do you want the shit to be thrown at you? <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I always pick fastest, as someone might assume, by how fucking fast I talk, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, in the game itself, you're controlling two people. Your sprite is two people walking together. And I don't know if I've ever seen that in an NES game. Like, it's like an adventure, you know, story RPG type of game. And that's was interesting, uh, a, a different mechanic like that. And the second guy is your lackey. I think he's training to be a kung fu master, like the main dude or something. And he's, you know, he's willing to do whatever the fuck you tell him because you have all the knowledge or some shit. And as far as the gameplay format, you go into these villages and are being attacked by kung fu fighting fandom, phantom, I can't even say it, by kung fu fighting phantom zombies. And you enter buildings they've infested and it becomes a side view one-on-one fighting game where you're supposed to exterminate them. And just like we were talking about with Base Wars, this it feels like it's just a thrown-in part of the game. And it's the battle aspect of it is fucking awful. So Oh, no. Oh, man. That, that sucks to hear. Really fucking <laughs> But yeah, if it weren't for that, there might have been a game here because and, 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 and like that's such a big part. It's it's all you do really. You're going that you have uh, to do that. You get like you can talk to someone and they give you some shit. Like that's like the whole format of the game. And yeah, just I don't know. Maybe if you fuck with it more, it's better. But it seems really bad to me. Hmm. Oh, sorry, just point Jay. After a couple pages <laughs> on Ducktales, uh, or rather, a couple pages on Ducktales for NES Next, and they interestingly have two separate and small segments of screenshot maps for each of the five levels in the game, as opposed to <laughs> N- Nintendo Power's full level maps of just three. And uh, we just talked about this game for three hours last episode. If you want to hear <laughs> about Bubba Duck and creation <laughs> estimate of Scrooge's worth, go click over to that episode and then come back. But uh, we're not going to spend any time on it now. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Proview Next, suck shit. Next, I do dig the artwork here, though. Actually, it's it's a it's like a it's a riff on the actual box art, which has the same picture of the half man, half monster. But in in the case of the magazine here, they're actually ripped. They've actually ripped the two halves of his body apart here. You know what I mean? Which I think is a nice accent to what that's supposed to represent. 
Yeah, very nice. Nicely done. Be cool. But moving on. And Sega is getting the shaft yet again in the next feature, which is for Alex Kidd in high-tech world on the SMS. It says Nintendo ProView in the corner, not SMS, as if Sega doesn't have it hard enough already. <laughs> yeah, I was like very confused. Yeah, I see. I spent a hot second looking at the screenshots after myself. This was on the like this is on the NES. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the third by the third picture, I was like, no, this is clearly SMS shit. It's got that, and it, we've talked about this before too. But the, the the text, the blue backgrounds, and the kind of the rounder and richer like more colorful art style there's just no mistaking sega master system to snes or to nes rather styles uh, you know what i mean yep so this is the new one of these there's been a few others and i didn't care for them but i fired it up just to be thorough and the story is that a new video game arcade opened up in the next town to where your sprite lives and alex Wants to peep the wants to peep game on on this new arcade game, but the only map depicting the route there to this other town has been torn up into eight pieces, which is a really odd story choice in my, in my <laughs> But uh, I was I was fucking around with it, and I gotta admit, man, I I was intrigued. It it was not platformy platformer e, which I'm pretty sure is what was going on with the the previous ones for the most part, and it. It was kind of like a scavenger hunt RPG. There's there's a map of six floors in the castle. You're hunting around. There's items to score. I found a phone I could enter numbers into. So I'm sure you got to hunt down a phone number somewhere. And that was something like that was in Maniac Mansion and like whenever, because it was such a rare occurrence in those older games. But whenever they did something like that, that was very real worldy. You know, Roger Rabbit had that real phone number hidden in it. Like anything like that, that kind of gave it a, like a crossover feel to like real world systems like that, everyday systems. I found that as a kid very intriguing. Uh, I guess I find it as an adult very intriguing too, because it, it interested me now too. But of that course, was yeah. cool. And it was like it was a full phone number too. And like I like I just I you know when I just fucking with it, I just of course didn't have whatever phone number I need to get in the game. So I just you know entered some shit and like it gave me. It like the you got like an operator message, you know. It gave you like a text box with an operator message saying "fucking nothing." You know, then this number doesn't work or some shit, which was also just a cool thing. So crazy random thing in this fucking game, I found a sign on the wall of an empty room that read "Kate is the fattest." <laughs> and what? Yeah, that is, that is <laughs> some really raw ass commentary about Kate to just throw up on the wall in some room of, of this castle. You know, I then I posted on our socials and then fucking it did very well. But it yeah, it's. I don't know. I've never. I can't think of another. I've never seen anything like that in a video game, especially on that like on a console game for very clearly targeted for t- for kids. It's a very, right. very weird thing to put in the game. Pretty sure that would not fly today. We're that not going to see that message found again in a in an I, Alex I, and the Kid remaster. Yeah, I can't believe. It. Like honestly, the thing that surprised me about it most was that it wasn't a meme I'd seen a million times. You know what I mean? Like it's so outlandish by the standards and metrics of an old school eight bit console game that I can't believe it's not been memed to oblivion at this point. Huh. But yeah, maybe it has. I'm I'm not saying I'm uh, particularly immersed in the meme culture or anything, but I have not. I would think I would have seen that one. Being a, I've seen plenty of video game fucking shit on Twitter and stuff. The feature definitely pictures some platforming parts, but it's interspersed amongst like a like a quirky like the quirky scavenger hunt thing that that I mentioned. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I I played it like through the first area for the most. I guess I, you know it's not 
a particular it's not like a level by level kind of thing so it's hard to divide up i guess maybe but i played it enough to to think that i kind of want to get down with this man like i i i enjoyed it way more than i anticipated i would see that's the funny it's funny that you say that because i looked at this and because this is not the first alex and the kid that we've come across you know i have been interested in playing it but when i looked at this ad again i thought well but it's a platformer though but i keep hearing about alex and the kid so i kind of want to play it but like yeah i i just looked at it and kind of went through this and thought okay it's a platformer like that that's immediately all that another one of those right yeah 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 i mean if it's not that yeah way more going on than that i was surprised nice so the next thing is Reggie Jackson Baseball on SMS, and it also has the Nintendo ProView banner in the corner. And we've talked about this before. It's a reasonably good-looking baseball game for the 8-bit era, but the gameplay was sorely lacking. The next thing is Wonder Boy 3, The Dragon's Trap, which just hit in September, so game on on that. And it does get the Sega banner in the corner, so the Game Pros finally got their shit together again. (laughs) (laughs) Right. uh, This is another banner franchise for the SMS, and they absolutely are straight-up action platformers. And I hadn't cared for the first two of these either, so... Again, I was kind of walking in this like, fucking another one of these things. And the feature says you take the form of a bunch of different creatures in the game each with their own ability set, which I do like the sound of, to provide some kind of you know, variance in what otherwise would be redundant gameplay based on the, the, the previous ones. So right. those those things are the lizard, a lizard man, a mouse man, piranha man, lion man, bird man, which are not the greatest names, I don't think, but <laughs> uh, the variance is still interesting. And it, it was this, uh, if this was present in the previous iterations, I didn't get that far, so that was this was a new thing to me. But I, I'm assuming you didn't fire this up, the SMS games. No, I did not because yeah, of SMS. Yeah. Right. I, it, it occurred to me to try send them to you, but uh, I must have forgotten. But because I definitely do, of course, I'm a psychopath, but I fired it up for a look-see. And dude, Sega is coming at us with some fire in this issue. Dude. <laughs> this, was, mm. this one was so much better looking and the gameplay so much more engaging than the previous two installments of this game. And yeah, I mean, I, I had fun playing this. I definitely want to play more. And I beat the, uh, this one is on a level basis. So I was able to beat the first level. I got a cool ass little cutscene that I posted on our socials. It was a fucking really hot game. So I was, I was very impressed. Well, I don't know what else to say except to say, spoiler alert, this is definitely on one of my to play list. It is semi yeah. too. So we, we this may be in, end up happening. We don't get a ton of overlap. The next thing in here is Fantasy Star on SMS with a bonus third paid page rather in the feature. And that bonus is due to some really dope full page artwork I have not seen that they are crediting to Eric Lee in this case. And a couple mm-hmm. pages about the game to follow. We also did a whole episode on this a long time ago. Jab and I did, if you're hankering for ISOH Fantasy Star analysis. So check that out if you're into that and want to hear more about Fantasy Star. But moving on, in, in this case, this feature is broken up uh, with five pages of advertisement. Uh, advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> Four pages of TurboGrafx-16 pitch from the NEC make up most of it, and it's a really cool ad. The first page is a kid's head against a white background, mouth closed. You can't see his eyes. And then over his eyes is a TV screen depicting the most boring screenshot of Super Mario Brothers 1 they could find. <laughs> Mario just jumping in World 1-1 with a Goomba miles away on the other side of the screen. And that image is captioned with, you've always known what to expect from a video game system. And then the second and third pages are another kid's head, 
but it's kind of askew at an angle. His mouth is wide open in shock, and the top of his head has been blown off. <laughs> and, and there are <laughs> sc- screenshot bits of Turbo Graphics games coming out of it, and that is captioned with "Until now." And there's a, then a bunch of pitch text of why their system blows the 8-bit NES out of the water. And yeah, it's it's fucking it's a I think a really cool ad that I've never seen before. So um, I think their intention was probably to you know it's. I kind of, I'm curious, I would love to know, and there's no way you could know, but I feel like like, this is a very brash kind of kick the doors in marketing approach, you know what I mean? And looking at this made me think that there is a very large likelihood that the whole course that Sega would take down the line might have been sparked by this kind of thing that that NEC was doing, you know what I mean? Because their whole thing was kind of, you know, just... NES or Nintendo is for kids. It's a joke. Oh my God! Look how intense and wild and crazy our shit is. You know what I mean? Very brash. Oh, for sure. Very extreme. Very loud. So, oh, I totally wanted a freaking Turbo Graphics. I remember seeing these ads and just yeah, lusting after it as a little kid. Really? I like that. Oh, it was yeah. so. I, I did not have Game Pro, and I didn't. So I never saw these ads. And I fucking the, I, the Game Pro or Turbo Graphics was just like a foreign. It was like an alien idea concept to me when I would occasionally hear about it in school i don't know if i I don't know if it was like i mean obviously i didn't have this magazine at the time or i don't know if i saw it but i definitely one way or another was very much aware that the turbo graphic 16 was out there and that it looked graphically superior so yeah you know i i this type of stuff really is what got me into video games because again i'm still at the atari level at this time but i've seen nintendo of you know my cousin's down in Louisville, Kentucky had a Nintendo. So I would, you know, I've had exposure to it, but I didn't have one myself, but I'm hearing about these other great systems on the way. And yeah, it's, this was like pure, the budding of nerd out mode for me. <laughs> I, just, I just can't believe how much more, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can like, how much more news got to you. I was so dialed in Nintendo, but yeah, nothing about anything else ever got to me. So yeah, at the, at the bottom right corner is the system logo, and below that it reads, the higher energy video game system. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just like, so much more intense. So the last page of this pictures a bunch of hardware. It's got the system, the CD player add-on, the audio video enhancer, controllers, et cetera, et cetera. So they had a bunch of peripherals and cool shit to go with that. I mean, just the fact that I mean, this was the first time you'd ever seen a CD player add-on for any system. So that was like, that probably, you know, as a kid, if you, you know, God forbid you were a well-to-do enough uh, or a child that was part of a well-to-do enough family where you even had a CD player at this time and knew what they were, the, you know, that was probably a very appealing concept. Oh, for sure. Such a cutting, cutting edge tech. Yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't get, when did you get, do you know what time you, when you got a, your first CD player? Were you able to recall that? Or piece oh, I don't know my first like CD player standalone. Cause I remember not getting my first Discman until being like a teenager, like 16 when I had my first job. But that was me buying a Discman, which is yeah. much later than the actual CD player that you just get for your house. So I, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I'm not, my dad had one before it's, I mean, it wasn't 89 still. We did not have it in 89, but yeah, definitely that, 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 that was probably like middle school. I would guess. 
I'm thinking like 93, maybe at the earliest. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's funny you say that. I am 100% certain that my first personal CD player was, yes, a Sony Discman. And it was, I got that. I had my first job when I was 14. I was bagging groceries at Missile Super Value in Oberlin, Ohio. <laughs> I had enough dough to buy myself a Discman. And I remember, because I had gotten my my dad's old, actually, it's funny. That's how I would know that he had the CD player prior to that, because I had I got his old hand-me-down home stereo, which was just a couple, like, dual cassette players. It, like it was like a... Uh, what do you call that when they're they're all built together? It's like a, like a, a whole consolidated unit, and it had a, t- mm. a record table, a uh, record turntable on top. It had oh yeah, one of those. Du- we had yeah, too. Du- dual cassette players. It had like a little plastic case that goes over the top to you know keep dust out of the record player, uh, and yeah. then of, of course a radio as well, FM, AM FM radio. So yes, I had I got that old thing, and I remember hooking my CD player up via the auxiliary cord to that stereo to be able to listen to the CDs in my room, like outside of headphones. You know what I mean? And I mean, it's funny. He didn't even, he kept his speakers. So he gave me this old thing and kept those speakers as part of his surround sound system or some shit. So I didn't even have real speakers. I had like, uh. yeah, I had like, I had like, I can't remember like where I would have gotten them or I remember building my own speaker at one point with some sort of crappy ass speaker and a cardboard box to make a, a base uh, to make a woofer. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty if you think about it, like that's pretty impressive. It was not, it, you know, it was probably like, like a four inch, it was a four inch car stereo, like a, an extra car stereo speaker or something. It was not even like an eight inch or 12 inch actual woofer that you know, right. the, you I, made I, it work, did yeah, what you had to do. <laughs> I mean, I remember using, dude, dude, I remember using, I had fucking, remember the play school colored wooden blocks? Oh, yeah. They were, yeah, like the, the the square ones were blue, and I remember taking those from my brother's toy box and building the legs with those on the cardboard <laughs> box, so the speaker would be set off the ground and wasn't wouldn't just be playing into the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, yeah, that was my CD player. So yeah, I would have been stoked to have a CD player for my to play my games on. Because I'm sure actually you could probably play CDs, fucking audio ones on that thing, actually. Oh man. And you know what else? I now that I think about it, this was probably around the time. So we moved between like fourth and fifth grade or something like that to a completely different neighborhood, but we wanted to keep me in the same school for like the rest of elementary school. So I would after school walk to the library and just read for like an hour and a half every day until my mom could pick me up and take me, drive me home. So like, I just read all the time. So I'm going through magazines, you know, I'm, this is how I got introduced to Nintendo power. So I probably actually, now that I think about it, I probably really did start picking these up like pretty soon here in the next few episodes, you know, or issues. Yeah. That's, I started going, yeah. I would go to the Oberlin library after school. I didn't have to do it, but I would do it just as it was like the thing the kids would do. And I actually wouldn't read them because I, the, I had, the, I, had I hadn't, I think I had Nintendo power at home already. That might've been later too. Actually, this was more like middle school that I would do that. Go to the library and just fuck around. They had movies too. I used to rent movies from there. And I also remember trying to steal some movies from there as well. <laughs> you degenerate. Yeah, yeah. I remember stealing a RoboCop VHS cassette from there. And some other action movies probably, can't remember what else some other shit yeah library was cool (laughs) (laughs) 
So the fifth page ad is a Toys R Us joint I don't recall seeing yet, and it pictures both the SMS and NES sitting side by side in a jet cockpit, and you can see a Toys R Us store out the window of the jet, which is pretty fucking cool. And the text reads, all systems go, launch your video game career at the world's biggest toy store. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very cool ad I've never seen before. And so it, it really is. I'm, I'm looking at the Genesis, and I'm thinking... It looked so cool. Like, it elicits that nostalgic reaction in me. Like, I remember, even though I eventually got a Nintendo and, you know, played that, I remember really wanting a Sega because it looked freaking cool, <laughs> you know? Well, that's not the Genesis, dude. That's a that's an SMS. That's what I mean. Like, that oh, looked yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, yeah, it looks, yeah, the black thing. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it definitely is a more, is a sleeker system. Yeah, aerodynamic-ish. Yeah, yeah, even by 80s standards. Like even 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 eighty sleek is still boxy. That's what's funny about it. You know, <laughs> right. Like it's still it's not actually aerodynamic. It's just more aerodynamic than other shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. We're on our way. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what's up. Yeah. I mean, it's probably just I don't know. Like I wonder. I wonder if there's like a fabricating, like a a fabricating physics reason for for the box here look like i wonder if that was just an easier easier and cheaper thing to manufacture without like really acute angles or you know what i mean like i want i wonder i wonder if there's an, uh, a fiscal reasoning behind that or if it's purely just aesthetic design choices at the time i'd be so curious to know that hmm. it's probably easier to say all right we need these design we need these panels six by eight six by eight, six by eight versus, uh, you got to make it round all the way. You know, sure. Or something. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah just saying it that way. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure straight edges are, are cheaper than rounded ones. It goes without saying probably, but anyhow, uh, I would just like to say at this point of the magazine that I was really vibing on this issue. <laughs> just, just so you know, like this issue was real. Like I was like, at a point where I was like, this is a fucking great issue. A great, this might be the most entertaining magazine. I have read for this pod to date. There's just so much going on that I, I had enjoyed by, by this point that I was, I was pretty impressed. Yeah. Gotta so agree. we are getting to the Atari pro views and, and there are two of them. So I kind of, I almost kind of want to just like let you take court here. <laughs> oh man. I have to say like, I don't remember how this is pronounced because the name just sounds so odd to me. Like Karatika. Like I for sure had this game. I loved this game. This was Atari XE, like, so you must have had an XE then, dude. Unless, dude I, I, I guess I shouldn't say that. It could have been another I shouldn't say that. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, not I'm pretty sure. I know I played it a lot. And eventually, I played it on a computer for some reason. I don't know why. But yeah, this game was freaking hard, man. Well, that's, that's like, what Atari XE is, isn't it? I think Atari uh, XE is a computer, so that, maybe that's what you're thinking. Maybe that's what it does, because this yeah. game, freaking hard. Like, it, like the, the, the Eagles, okay, in the third panel... You see an eagle coming at you, and it just says, "Watch out for deadly eagle attacks." Those were freaking hard to avoid. Like you gotta time your kicks and stuff. But at the same time, it was fun because you're battling these people, and you have to take their energy down. It's not just like here one kick and you're you're done and you move on. Like you gotta take them. Yeah, it, it looks like it looks very much what I thought of was Karate Champ on NES, which was a side view, just kind of arena style one on one fighting game. So wait, are, so no. I actually didn't notice this bird thing. So this is this is a side scrolling deal, and then you get into these battles. Yeah, you you okay. side scroll and you come across somebody, and you have to take them down. They can block your stuff, and yeah, you got to. And then like you, so you 
once you defeat someone, you move on. You got these eagles to fly at you. It's it's tough, man, because you got a time. It's I, I can't explain it. Like it, it definitely made me want to pick it back up for sure. Like if I had it already available, I would have picked it back up at this point and played it. <laughs> yeah, you live your life, bro. Fucking get it, get, it, get a seventy get a seventy eight hundred. I have a twenty six hundred emulator, and actually this might. This one might do seventy eight hundred too. I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure. Z twenty six though is the twenty six hundred emulator I use, and it's. I mean, it, the the menu system is incredibly crude, but the actual emulation of the games is pretty good. I'm sure. Yeah, there's no question. There's ones for those systems too. It's by. <laughs> I love the idea of you. I don't know entrenching yourself as like a go to Atari Limbo phase <laughs> specialist slash expert. That that really that, that idea really appeals to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody else is uh, so amped about the Nintendo, and I'm just living the living the Atari dream <laughs> until a couple like two years later, and until I catch up with everyone. Don't ever think that you're alone, dude. They're like I, I told you, there you know, there's an Intellivision podcast. There's there 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 is a community for everything out there. Don't worry. You, you you will not have to live in solitude in that place if you choose to to reside there. <laughs> <sighs> so the next one for the Atari here is a, is the is Rampage for the seventy eight hundred, and I you know love this fucking game in the arcade. I had the NES version as a kid. I love the SMS version over on the uh, over the NES ver- version. Actually, surprisingly, when Jab and I played it for the pod here, there's a a game episode for that too. If you want to go back, this is fucking recall. <laughs> episode recall here on isoh and it looks shittier than all three of those versions as you'd expect here in the pic in the in the photos <laughs> yep <laughs> no denying that one or rendition did you have you had this so did you have this i i don't think i had this on uh on atari i feel like i didn't play until nintendo okay i feel like i was late to the game on rampage yeah, because uh, yeah, my my recollection, and of course, I played. I've emulated it recently as well, so maybe I'm just thinking about that as well. But yeah, I think only of the Nintendo version. Yeah, dude, the SMS version is really fucking good. I highly recommend taking a whack at it. I was, genu- I mean, you know, I I've talked about it many times before. The SMS hardware is infinitely better than that of NES, and when they when they do it right on the software side. You know, the SMS has way more potential to be a good game. So, but they do that so infrequently that I do not expect that to be the case. But yeah, the SMS version of Rampage is way better than the NES one. Oh, way better. I'm sure graphically. I, I think I've actually seen the comparisons too. I yeah. remember the. Yeah. yeah, graphically, definitely. And it's just, it's because the NES one, it's, it's just, it's so, it's, it's much more repetitive and, and there's less. It just every stage feels the same. There's no effort to the interstitial portion of it between the stages, and there's just more effort towards the storytelling and shit. Uh, the little bit of it that this game can provide with the SMS version. Oh. There's fewer stages too. Like the, the NES one is like 100. It's like 125. There's it's just like you know so, a million stages, and they're all just the same thing. Whereas the SMS has way fewer stages, but the dedicated, I guess, call it storage space on the cart to making those. That smaller number of levels, way more fun to play. You know what I mean? Oh, that that would make sense because it's definitely repetitive. For yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, I remember, dude, the NES one. I remember staying up all night. To, Same. To, yeah, I definitely. Beat yeah. It. I mean, yeah, I beat that game alone in my bedroom at like four a.m. <laughs> after playing it for I don't know, fucking seventeen hours or some shit. <laughs> you know, having to like, you know, you turn the TV off, you leave the NES on, hope that fucker doesn't freeze, and then sneak out of bed and play it. After you know, oh. after, uh, after everyone goes to bed, and I have, that's absolutely how I got to the end of that game. <laughs> nice, get yeah. it done. Yeah. 
So we get our first TurboGrafx-16 Pro View after that also. A baseball, just one of them, a baseball titled called World Class Baseball that doesn't look all that hot, to be honest. But I don't think, I mean, you know, I, I just don't feel like we can dedicate any bandwidth to getting into the TurboGrafx games for, for the purposes of this pod. But even within, even just from a, a cursory glance position, yeah. it, it does not look that great. Yeah. Got to agree. I mean, they went clearly... They went big, but I, I, I wrote down in my notes, not sure if baseball was the ideal play here. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially yeah, again, kind of, we talked about with Atari, like that generic ad. Like if you're going to, if you want to drop a baseball thing as your thing, like do something, you know, even fucking Sega got, got retired Reggie Jackson, you know, <laughs> like do something right? do, to spice it up. If you're going to make it your first drop. And again, we, you know, we also talked about how much curation there feels are we, how much it how much curation it feels like GamePro is dedicating to making this a TurboGrafx, not necessarily themed, but focused issue. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? They dropped some dough. Tur- right. So, yeah, they dropped some dough. So the idea, so they, they had to have had, or you would assume that they would have had some sort of input on what the choice for this one Pro View might have been. So the fact that this was probably a company choice seems odd to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very odd. Unless they for unless they for some reason thought this was graphically superior, it does. I mean, yeah. it, lo- it looks good. I guess I kind of the way they're holding the bats looks a little shitty, but you know that top down looked pretty good. It's got Reggie Jackson had this too, actually. The where the the ball gets bigger as it comes up towards you after it's hit. You know what I mean? As it goes yeah. in the air, it gets bigger and it gives it kind of that scaling effect, which is cool. I think uh, when done well. So you know, I, yeah, graphically, I'm sure it probably looks all right but I, I don't think you get that in screenshots and you need to have something else just to move this baby you know what i mean after these messages we'll be right back you better get ready for the most challenging nintendo system ever ready let's do it the new power pad it's only available in nintendo's new power set now you're playing with body power you've got to run jump faster higher the nintendo power pad puts you in total control you are the game you are the power now you're playing with power, body power. You get the power pad, control deck, zapper, and free games only in Nintendo's exciting new power set. That was a U.S. television commercial for the power pad. It's actually for the entire power pad system that uh, the, the, the NES console set with it. But yeah, pretty fucking. You know, it's uh, it's a very <laughs> the fucking. I don't know the the neon colors and all that shit going on is just incredibly uh, reminiscent of the time. And they, I actually thought <laughs> they're playing with they're running with socks on on that thing, and that does not seem safe to me. That thing was in socks would be slippery. <laughs> I feel like you'd want the slippery though to be able to move so you don't get stuck and like scuff it or something. You know, I don't know. You, well, you don't if have to like... move though. You just want to be able to go up and down. Maybe I don't know. It seems it seems dangerous. I would never have played with socks for sure. <laughs> oh, I totally would have, and I I wanted this so bad. Like I watched this commercial, and I'm like. I want it right now. I wanted that whole thing. Mommy, dad, buy, buy me that right now, please. <laughs> Jab had it. We had that fucker as kids, man. Ugh. My dad used to get pissed off because we make <laughs> This house is not a fucking gymnasium. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of our staple, staple mad Mikeisms. That's what we call my dad, <laughs> Mad Mike. Awesome. One of the things we'll. we'll he and I will throw back at each other all the time uh, in in uh, joking manner. I feel like I'm gonna have to implement that now with my kids. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. jump around. Not- <laughs> yeah, do it, dude. Use it. 
I got I got a whole list of Mad Micisms that are just quintessential dadisms. You probably have to work the fucks out of them, but sure. He's a he was a shit my dad says Twitter account before Twitter existed. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, to back to Game Pro 3, the first thing up here in this section is Secret Weapons and Tactics, SWAT. And Ooh. they've added and started with a four-page section called Hot Tips before getting into just the normal mundane tips for another four pages. And the difference, <laughs> difference between these two things, as I discern it, is Hot Tips are just codes and cheats and such, and the normal SWAT section is kind of longer-form help for games. So they've delineated Ooh. them expanded them for this issue and hot tips kicks off with a fantasy zone fantasy zone tip for cheap lives and it reads to wiggle that's the exact verbiage used wiggle the control stick up and down quickly over 50 times during the title demo then press start and this is not the first time we've seen an insane number of controller inputs necessary for like cheats and and codes and stuff for the sms like this is a, this is a rampant thing on that system where you have to do just an obscene number of things to enact whatever a code might be or do you know and that's so crazy to me <laughs> i would have never found this out on my own like, exactly. how do you like that's like and you know I, I a lot of these things are supposedly meant to be kind of developery things maybe less so about you end user targeted right. features but still like I, I don't know even as a developer why would you want to do that to yourself <laughs> <laughs> right no like, just oh. give me a quick six digit uh input yeah. button b a b a up down left it's like come on something yeah i don't feel it explains with certainty what happens but my best guess is the extra lives in the very first shop you enter in game are particularly cheap at a thousand bucks per so like i said i didn't really play with the game enough to, to discern but the base's loaded code is the only other hot tip that piqued my interest. It's just a code for taking over a normal team in the game at a record of 34 and 7. And it's presented as a solution for players who can't seem to get above 500 and win the pennant in season mode. And I can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't help but think that this is just a dude on the staff who is good at bases loaded. And he's like, dude, let's just give him one of my passwords. Like, right? You need to fill a spot. Like, I'm, I'm crushing it this game. Let's just give him a mid-season password of mine, you know? And that'll fill a corner of this fucking magazine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, otherwise, why would you have that random of a record? <laughs> right, yeah. It's, yeah. Very interesting. Any of these other codes do anything for you? No, man, it's, it's funny. Like, looking at this, I played virtually none of these freaking games. Like, except yeah. for bases loaded, naturally. Like, yeah. Bit, like I got into Marble Madness a bit, like, but it was kind of like, man, fucking Marble Madness is a very good game, but code, yeah, that game's so so straightforward. Like that 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 code about the five site, like that's an insane thing to even want to or try <laughs> to enact is just completely fucking asinine. Like going through that whole thing to make give yourself five more seconds is the dumbest idea. Yeah, yeah hard thing. pass. No yeah. one will go through that run around for that payoff. So uh, a bunch of games and hot tips. We yeah, it's going into what the actual games are. Uh, ones I can't recall chatting about yet are Tengen's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom on NES, which hit back in '88, so it's been out. And this is a terrible top-down action platformer with uh, absolute dumpster fire control physics. It, it has, <laughs> and it also, going back to something we talked about on the last episode, the it has some bad minecart sequences that then they just it, you know. On the Nintendo, mm. they just cannot resist if there's any hope of fitting it into the narrative, a minecart sequence. 
they did get the the theme song fairly right. I'll give them that. The the opening title theme song for Indiana Jones is fucking on point for that, or in that rather. And another one that I hadn't seen that we haven't talked about anyways is Action Fighter, which is a Sega original on SMS, and this is an 86 arcade port, a top-down racing shooter on a motorcycle, and it's very, if you remember it, very Spy Hunter-like. Oh yeah, I do remember this. I'd look this up. And it's pretty basic. It's, it, it definitely feels its age, but the physics felt uh, all right, and I, I was low key enjoying my short stint fucking with it. But something that's incredible. Uh, there was Racket Attack, which is an '88 NES tennis joint from Jellico, and they they do uh, I, one. I like the th- the title theme on that; it's very good. It has serious bases loaded vibes. The in-game text and menus are spot on, just like bases loaded. And there's lots of attention to accurate simulation stuff, which I think uh, between this and then bases loaded, I'm kind of getting the vibe that Jalico, like that's their, this is their thing is like sports simulation, you know, and really dedicating attention to that. So they do a pretty good job of that. There's in-game voice sampling, all the score calls, 15 love or whatever the fuck tennis scoring <laughs> can't watch tennis but the yeah they, they actually say all that in the game again just like bases loaded has has really good and bases loaded 2 have really good voice sampling by nes standards and the gameplay unfortunately is a little subpar though it's very choppy animation for tennis or what i would think you would need to enjoy tennis anyways again i'm not a tennis player but like you need to have you know it's which is important for simulation you need to have the racket on the right side of your sprite and shit to return the ball mm-hmm. and like get it handling that with, it just it just does not go well in my <laughs> in my opinion. Oh yeah, I don't. I wouldn't even want to try to play a game like that. that's why I don't play tennis games like except for back in the Wii U yeah. days, you yeah, know Wii that tennis, kind of thing. Wii tennis was dope, but that was because that was they figured out controlling tennis, and that's why it's great. Exactly. But absent that, yeah, hard pass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe if maybe if you really like tennis, it would be your thing. But uh, other than that, yeah, I don't think it's going to be anything special for you. But. Nothing we haven't seen in the long-form SWAT tips section, but there's a fantasy star blurb explaining an obtuse thing players are, not surprisingly, struggling with, where the Pikachu-looking thing, one of your characters, Mayu, it, it, <laughs> should, it should eat these Lerma nuts that you can get to get to the final boss battle against King Lassic, and whatever. But the, the interesting part of this blurb is the opening, which reads, Once again, we've received more mail on Fantasy Star than on any other single game. So... See, yeah, think think about that. Like, how much market share Nintendo held on Sega at this time? Yet this game was getting the most heat from readers of a Unisystem mag. Like, that's a that's a really big statement about that game's popularity. See, and that's why, like, I'm very interested in this game, and it's something obviously I've texted you about it. Like, just like there's an upcoming remaster anime freaking later version coming out on the Xbox One. And it looks oh, the cool. Very, the very first one? Oh, the, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'll take the back. I'll take the back. Fantasy Star 2 Online, like the MMORPG, oh, okay. yeah. is something that's gotten me like super excited because I keep hearing about it. And because of my affinity for ESO, you know, Elder Scrolls Online and the great time I had with the community with that, like I really want to get into this. But because it's so old and it clearly started here and because of this popularity, to your point, 
I'm interested in playing it, you know, like yeah. I just, I want to check I, it out. I already, I already did the first one for that, that, oh. that, that uh, errantly decided on game episode. <laughs> yeah. But I am the, the, the ones on Genesis two, three, and four are all like wildly revered as being great. Like I said, I think, I think it's three that I fucked with already, but I am certainly mm. down to, you know, once uh, to plug our upcoming side quest series on Dragon side quest. Yeah. Once we, once we knock that ditty out and we might be getting into about the time where fantasy star two could be hitting. And I'm very open to discussing playing that one, that first Genesis one for sure, because um, yeah, the, like I said, I, I've already mentioned, but the, the, this first one, you know, if you want to just as a fuck around thing, take a whack at it. It's not bad. There are certainly some obtuse parts, and if you if you're unable to really get into the story, which I don't, I mean, it's kind of it's got that like futuristic mashup, medieval medieval fantasy but futuristic sci-fi thing mashup kind of thing going on, and it I don't know how much I like that story wise. So I was a little bit inhibited by that, and with that added to the obtuse stuff. And then also, like I said, the constrained time period, I was trying to play it in two weeks, which is insane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the real life going on was just a really bad combination that I, I, it was not the greatest thing in the world to me, but uh, in, a, in a more drawn out thing and on a better system. And after they've worked out, I'm sure a lot of the kinks off the first one, moving into the second one, I would be absolutely be down to, to give it a whirl. Cause I'm sure it's probably much better. Nice. So we will discuss at a later date, but I'm down. The we get two pages of reader tips after that. No new NES shit in here, but there are a couple old SMS titles that slipped under the radar until now. And those were Enduro Racer, which is another Sega arcade original motorcycle racer ported over in eighty seven. And I fired it up. It's isometric excite bike is exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it was actually astonishing to me. Like it, it looked like I don't know, maybe I, I'm not sure. Eighty seven is pretty early. No, yeah. Excite Bike was in the black box series, so Excite Bike was already out already. So I, I would say that Sega probably ripped Excite Bike off, uh, but it is so clearly meant to be the same thing. Whichever one came first, I'm sure the other <laughs> one it ripped off uh, off the other companies because they are so similar. That's a little better, right. I would say, because it, like I said, it's an arcade original, so the original thing they were working from was a little better looking, but. The other game here is Transbot and an 86 Sega original and arcade port. It's a side-scrolling shooter, and there was no ROM for it on my ROM site, and it looks like it sucks, so I didn't feel too bad about not getting fired up. <laughs> but that is those two games, and there's a there's a Taxan ad for Star Soldier on NES, an old 86 space shmup in here with <laughs> artwork ripping off H.R. Geiger-style alien lifeform design that is staggeringly exact and blatant. <laughs> this right? Is- yeah, and that, I mean that's that, that is not an uncommon thing. It's a very rampant behavior at this time, ripping off that alien artwork style because it was such a popular movie, and uh, it was such, of course, a, a well and cool looking design. But uh, I think this instance kind of takes the cake, dude. It's like it's in this case, it gets even weirder too. I thought that like this is a contest entry format, and the the top prize is an all expenses paid trip to Disney MGM Studios, which is where the Great Movie Ride ran from 1989 to 2017, and it was like a brand new thing at this time, obviously. And this ride was, as the name suggests, a tip through a trip rather through a bunch of major motion picture scenes, one of which was the ship in the movie Alien. So I actually found a 20-minute video of the full ride experience at a YouTube channel called iTheme Park and posted it on the, on the tube, and uh, I'll put the link to that in the show notes. And cool ride, I suppose. A little bit long, I think, for a ride, but 
And I've never done, I've never done like the Universal Studios. It's one of my LA to do's. I've never really done one of those, I don't know, movie themed kind of like, I like roller coasters, dude. I like, I like Cedar Point. Yeah. I, like, I want it's the first car on the biggest, the world's biggest, tallest, fastest roller coaster. Like, that's how I want to roll. <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah, I just, just kind of lackadaisically staring at shiver 20 minutes and like a half assed, you know, slow moving ride is not the most appealing thing to me, but uh, it doesn't look, it I looks, was interesting i don't know so this is basically the artist rendition of that right i see i've gone on the the one at universal studios in florida like i think we went on our senior trip in high school and it was actually really freaking fun man like was you it? would be surprised yeah i yeah it's of course at that point in time i love roller coaster too give me the adrenaline let's go but it's surprisingly fun because you feel you, you love those movies as a kid, like you're a pop culture type of person, like we all were. Like, yeah, you feel like you're kind of in it, and it's because of that, it's really exciting. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, honestly, I've, one, I've heard really good things about the, I, the Universal Studios here, and I, I like the idea because you can just go onto the, you know, they have the lots where you can just go onto the sets, like not even part, like, I, you know, I, yeah, I'm sure the rides are cool too, but like, I, what really appeals to the idea to me is that they are just those standing sets that they've preserved and i love the idea of going ah. looking at like those actual movie sets you know from i don't know fuck what movies they are but a bunch of the, you know, the, the classics that would be really cool to see i think just to see kind of how those looked just from a novelty standpoint and my working in, in the line of work and shit you know it'd be cool but yeah there's nothing in this ad that suggests the reason this is significant i think in this case is there's nothing in this ad that suggests a licensing agreement between 20th century 20th century fox who owns those movies or disney mgm studios who owns the park like there's no it's like very i don't know kind of backdoor <laughs> the way they talk about it and there's definitely no like clearly that artwork is not licensed alien franchise artwork because look at it it's not you know it's, it's clearly an <laughs> so if it were affiliated with the ride or the movie in any way that wouldn't be the case i don't think and on top of that like i said if you look at the verbiage in the order form i feel like they're kind of like we talked about with the world series like yeah they mentioned in disney mgm studios as a place you can go but it's not saying like they're affiliated with it or it's a joint sweepstakes or something you know it's just like that's where we're gonna send you you know we're gonna give you we're gonna give you a plane ticket and you go there like, that's, fucking, that's the <laughs> end of our involvement you know what i mean we're gonna like, buy you some tickets you right know, yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. like yeah, super, yeah just very i don't know it, it rubbed me my, my the, the almost lawyer in me <laughs> it sent up my, it sent up my antenna for sure you know it did not look uh it looked a little ballsy on the legal front to me well, they, I mean, they, it was either draw your own because you definitely can't take a picture of MGM Studios, you know, right. in the hotel and be like, here you go. This is where you're going. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you said it. I don't, like, I don't think it's their rendition of the ride because, I mean, the, the, the ride is the set on the ride is the alien spaceship, like the, the, the ship that they're on in the movie. It's not mm. like a planet. It's not that little green one. Planet. <laughs> you know, yeah, no. Right. <laughs> uh. So, yeah, I think that it's not, you know, it's just kind of them trying to represent something interesting that make would make you want to send the form in. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Makes a, a sense. Fair enough. Uh, that really stood out to me. The overseas prospects in this issue is for Dragon Spirit, which is a Namco joint. And this feature is specifically for the TurboGrafx version, which hits in November. I, it wouldn't reach the NES, rather, until June of next year, and it never made it to, to the Sega system. But it's a flying shmup, 
And instead of a the usual plain spaceship bullshit you control in, in, a, in a flying shmup, in, in most cases, it's a dragon in a medieval fantasy setting. And I've never played the TurboGrafx version or any TurboGrafx game for that matter, but the NES rendition is fucking lit, man. Jab had it, and it's the graphics are awesome. The gameplay control, controls and mechanics are fucking cool. You, get, you can get all these different types of dragons that you control, like the power-ups change the kind of dragon you are and change... You know, kind of like the the customary dragon lore is like the different colored dragon correlates with what kind of attack it has. You know, like a white dragon, snow dragon is, has like an ice attack, da 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 And like that's how the game implements your power-up system is you change it into different dragons. And it's really fucking cool and well done. So given the, the, the graphics were awesome on the NES, if any NEC system were truly as superior as people say it was, I bet this game on the, the turbo graphics was fucking awesome. Like really fucking cool. So uh, yeah, it looks freaking dope. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's a cool ass game, and that's what I mean, man. I would see these ads, and I'd I'd say like this looks graphically superior. Like, yeah, sure. I want to check that out. You know, sixteen bits is greater than eight bits. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can do math. I'm nine. I can do it. Yeah, the Eliminator is the writer for this one, so the Eliminator is still getting the hot shit as far as story leads go <laughs> in the <laughs> in the game pros hierarchy. Pro News Report follows that up, the newspaper-looking current events section. And Taito surely paid for a book-ending recall of their Yo! MTV Raps contest that opened the mag here to start. <laughs> like, it's just right. like perfectly placed his book in, so you know there was some money involved in that, I think. And the Capcom tidbit is pretty fucking cool in here. They donated 50 grand worth of shit to a couple of hospitals in California to set up what they called Capcom's Children's Corner in the Pediatric Wings. And each of these corners included two NESs, an Amiga, and a C64, as well as a bunch of, of course, Capcom titles. And can you imagine how fucking thrilled the kids stuck in those places would have been the first day they saw this getting set up? I mean, yeah, beyond, dude. Really fucking cool idea. I'm sure it looked great. I was, I was dying to track down a couple pictures of these, and I was very disappointed that I was unable to. God forbid a listener happens to know of or have some, please do send them to us. I would love to see and share pictures of that because, yeah, I think that's a really cool idea. An article about Koei, Koei, uh, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that, in here talks about their agenda to bring PC simulation titles that demonstrate quality and historically accurate gameplay to the NES, which is a cool idea in theory. Debunk's ambition, which I was fascinated enough with a, as a kid to score the Game Bay version, is the leadoff hitter for them and, and, and with the uh, their their title library. And uh, I also liked it enough to get the cart as an adult too, so I have that now, the cart. And it was cool at the time, but we we've mentioned it before. I think the the console based strategy gaming thing just doesn't fucking especially now it's so antiquated trying to control a game like that that it's just impossible to enjoy. And, and oh man. Just looking at that screenshot just immediately turns me off. I'm like, <laughs> like, no, thank you. Like, that's exactly how I was as a kid. Like, I tried him out and knew enough to be like, no. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that, that's it's really tough, too, because that is a game. Oh, my God, you need the instruction booklet. So if you rented that game, which I remember that's how I got it, too, the first time I played that game. And, yeah. I, and again, like, I, the seed was there to enjoy games like that because I was I was curious enough to want to know more, even though I'm sure I spent the entire time I had the game just completely befuddled. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's so hard thinking about how that game works to by intuition sort through 
playing the game without instruction and like description of what these on-screen things represent. It's just, there's just no way, there's, especially as a child, there's just no way to infer it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to just pick up and go. But uh, I remember, I definitely remember being intrigued enough to, to want more. And, and once I did, like I said, I had to get it. And it's also a better game to have on the go and not be tied to a system because it is a long-term kind of thing. You're not fucking playing that game in like a, a 20 minute sitting for sure. You know? Oh Yeah. But very cool, uh, and certainly an a good, uh, an interesting idea to try to bring those types of games in mass to to the NES, you know, or to consoles. They tried; they're ahead of the time. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm just glad that deeper games obviously work now. There's so much more you could do with them, but at the time, even now, though, I mean, I think if even if you tried to put that on a fucking PS4 right now, or even the Switch, like I think it would be very it, it would be poor like I, actually I'm, I'm so curious to try i don't want to give them they, they're charging full price for it which makes me want to vomit but what I, the, the switch has sib 6 on it now and like i've played that game I, hundreds of hours of that game on my on my the pc version and i i want to get it for my switch just so i have it in my hand and you know could play it on the go like that but i'm so sure that it can't possibly be controlled well with a, without a mouse, you know, without a point and click interface. Like that, it would seem like it would be yeah. such a runaround to accomplish anything in the game, you know. So I just, I just don't feel like that even now that it can be implemented without some sort of touchscreen thing. Uh, and, and I guess you know the Switch has touchscreen, so if you play it in your hands, maybe you can do that. I don't even know, but it's kind of small screen to be doing that with. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the greatest way to play it for sure, you know. So I, I'm not even sure that present day stuff has figured out how to get that game in your hands yet. Oh man, I I think you're right because I think thinking about it now, there's a game and we may have talked about it because I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. There's a game that was out. It came out on Xbox Game Pass, and obviously, why not check it out? You know, that's what the service is for. Um, but Courtney found out about it and she was like, "Hey, I think you should check this game out. It could be fun." And so I was like, "Hey, let me check it out." It seemed like it was going to be kind of like Risk or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, like this game <laughs> was so like complex and like I'm moving it around. It like it definitely like lent itself to I need a computer type of thing for this. Oh, yeah. Like this does not seem to work here at all. So, yeah, too many. You know, what? it's like if you want to like boil it down to like a super simple idea, like those kinds of games have so many interactive things on the screen things to interact with like objects to interact with to control the game like you mm -hmm. have to the only way to do it with the control thing is to cycle through all of them every time you and this is not there's no shortcut system to, to to accomplish that there's just no fucking way man no fucking way two industry profiles follow that up and the first one is greg fishback who is the founding president and ceo of acclaim entertainment which is a big, uh, their big thing was licensing shit and licensed games rather. And Konami, though they don't have any big wigs for the interview, Emil Heidkamp gets credited for the quotes, but they don't even state his job title in here. I actually, uh, <laughs> I looked Emil, Emil, you think Emil, Emil? It's got Emil? Yeah, I uh, looked Emil up on LinkedIn though. If you want to send him four or five hundred connection requests on there, he was an SVP of the U.S. Consumer Division of Konami from '86 to '93 at the Buffalo Grove, Illinois office. His job tasks amounted to marketing and product development shit. So, 
connect with Thank with you, Emil. Emil. <laughs> yeah, connect connect with Emil if you want to expand your network. They 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 mentioned that a claim was located in Oyster Bay, New York at the time, which just so happens to be a cute little Long Island town where we shot the climax of All God's Creatures. Oh, yeah, you know that? Yeah, that, that, yeah, All God's Creatures is a movie I wrote and produced and acted in as well. And Jay had a small part as a prick stockbroker on the subway that the <laughs> character pondered murdering. <laughs> yeah, pondered. Yeah. He spared me. Yeah, the black is. guy lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, defying all cinema tradition. <laughs> the the Oyster Bay Railroad Museum is where we shot uh, specifically one of the, uh, the the climax, and it's on one of their. We, we shot on one of their parked train cars, and like this adjacent gravel lot where they had a bunch of old train cars just sitting. You know, fun Cracker Jack facts. Nice. And Fishback rattles off a stat to support why he's all in on Nintendo, despite TurboGrafx-16 hitting with a better machine. And by the end of 89, he expects 16% of all U.S. households will have an NES in them, which is a woe number. Yeah, I mean, well, he was right. I mean, he was <laughs> he was right. Well, he was right about the NES. More NES, yeah. About more NES and it being a thing, but a lot of, we, we this, uh, I can't remember who it was, but, uh, I might have been the last game pro, the Konami guys, maybe even come to think of it, talking about how they did not think that Sega had any like that any other company had any hope of competing with Nintendo and NES, you know, what I mean, for for a long time to come. So mm -hmm. that that aspect of it is not correct. But towards the end of the acclaim article, they casually mentioned that they had an older product. Uh, they they term VCR sports games. So. <laughs> have my attention so i immediately i got to googling because i'm not a psychopath and oh my god these are fucking great dude they are they are oh. next, they are board games with an accompanying vhs cassette and they had a bunch of sports they had you know, uh, basketball football boxing and the, the football one was called the vcr quarterback game came out in 86 and it looks fucking glorious dude i found the full two-hour video that came in the box with that game on YouTube and it's full. It was absolutely licensed by NFL with the NFL because they have a ton of NFL footage in there. And I posted that on our socials. It's, it's two hours long. So it's a big commitment, but it was very entertaining at least the first few minutes of it. And it's got kind of a, like a sports illustrated. I'm sure you remember these. It's got a sports illustrated football follies, highlight tape vibe to it, dude, like at the start, you know, and it's, it's all huge hits that motherfuckers would get banished from the league for, for laying on guys <laughs> today's pussy ass NFL. Uh, and then, you know, kind of folly ish stuff happening as a result of it. And then yeah, it's very entertaining and will absolutely hark back to those. If, if you had any of those when, when you were little, because oh much of the same style. Dude, I had I had a couple of these, but hundred percent I found I got them from like a thrift store or something. The actual like board the, games, uh, or you're saying the tapes? The tapes and oh, the board okay. games from like <laughs> a yard from like a yard sale okay. or a thrift store or something because they definitely weren't complete. So wow. I remember playing it and being like, "This is into it," <laughs> and like. But wait, why isn't that working correctly? Like, yeah. so I immediately saw that and I was like, oh shit, I remember these. Yeah, the tape, uh, you know, like it has the opening and then tells you like, hit stop on your VCR. Like, yeah. Hit stop on your VCR. And it's just like, I, I, I saw that and I was like, how in God's name could this game possibly work in conjunction? With <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, did, I never, I never, I never, I never had the access to these. Uh, I never saw them as kids, but uh, I'm certainly peaked and I would love to. They were not, I was like, I found one super uh, crazy cheap. 
Uh, it was like 17 bucks or something on Amazon. I should fucking order it. <laughs> the, it's, uh, a used version of it. it. It's funny to me because it reminds me of like my mom. <laughs> my mom, I love her. She's like over 70 now. And she's like, she was like cutting edge. So <laughs> she loves always playing these games. Like for the longest time, she would always want us to play the game Seen It which is like a VCR game. Like you, you play it in, it has a board game, you're doing stuff and stuff happens. You like, you know, press play on the VCR or, or the DVD or whatever, you know, you press play on certain parts. Well, a DVD and, makes sense because you can jump around on a DVD. They can tell you like play track. I know, but this is like, this is like the advance of that. Like she's, sure. she's had, cause she, my mom, she worked for Toys R Us for years and years. Now she works for Walmart, but she, oh, God, dude. she, she's always been in like the toy division or entertainment division. So we've always how had the these like, how the, how the fuck pro- did that not blow your fucking childhood up, dude? That had to be, dude, incredible. I'm telling you like, so <laughs> we would, <laughs> we would know about all of these games and like, she'd be like, Hey, what about this like type of game? So we'd be trying this random new, board game vcr type of setup that work there they were probably like just take this shit like you know the fucking sales reps would probably come in and just bring shit oh no kids fuck with it unfortunately we didn't get that treatment but like you know we go to like pick her up from from work or drop her off or just whenever you know and toys r us i'm gonna walk around and check the new stuff out or she would be talking about it and it's just yeah i mean that's kind of Mom definitely helped with my pop culture-ness in, in childhood just based on where she worked. I probably had something. Yeah, dude. You, I mean, fuck. That's fucking that's insider knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Konami feature is much less interesting uh, relative to the Acclaim one, despite being about a far superior game com- company, in my opinion. Yeah. Emil is pitching more woo about their shitty LCD handhelds mostly, actually, which, yes, we definitely had a Konami appearance i think in the last issue because we were talking about those shitty handhelds of theirs oh my gosh yeah let it go dude let it go <laughs> double dribble top gun yeah roll with those nes games just yep. let it go, man. yeah turtles the bush league ad from the video game store masquerading as a video game club from the last issue is back and this time <laughs> they actually remembered the second page the first alludes to so big step <laughs> right <laughs> big step up presentation uh they have two vhs tapes for sale on the second page that caught my attention here and i want to talk about the first is secret video game tricks codes and strategies volume one and this video is one most retro heads have seen. It's a 60-minute oh. deal with. It's got the, the the box art is Contra and Metal Gear, blatantly stolen. Which again, kind of very legally brash. I think in this case, it's very different than the other instances we've talked about for this kind of idea. But legal infringement shit. But yeah, it's very blatant, and that's the box. That's the box cover. And this, yeah, like I said, this is one. This was a very popular one they probably sold these at the fucking scholastic book club or something because i remember <laughs> these, these these are all over the place as far as retro shit goes the second one though i have never seen and was very obscure to me and i could not find shit about it on the internet i was so bummed out it's called the american video game players league presents video game guide and it's just you know it's more tips and tricks shit i'm sure but uh, the fact that you can't find a YouTube video of it is very interesting to me, you know, because mm. you can find everything on YouTube. <laughs> so the idea that it does not exist out there makes me badly want to acquire one. <laughs> I feel like that must be a fail because, yeah, the secret video game. I remember those coming out in books as a kid. Yeah. Like as well. Game. So, yeah. Yep. But, yeah, that yeah, second that one, was, never seen that. that. That was a brand. Yeah, that was the, that they did a few. Were, like so This is volume one. There were other there were other volumes of it. So, yeah, that one did pretty well. But I think this other one was just a fly by night kind of. Hmm. Uh, flash in the pan as far as shit goes but yeah again 
listener, if you fucking have one, oh my god, please send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> the the next thing up is the pro challenge board, their high scores section, and there's no locations for the players, so who gives a fuck about this? <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing inside is a two page spread advertising the Sega Genesis, and we're gonna be on this for a while, so fucking mm. pull, pull up your chair. The <laughs> the headline is your world will never be the same. So intense, but they were right. And this is, yeah, this is a great fucking ad. They have that sexy, sexy ass unit with the Altered Beast cart top loaded, the game on mm-hmm. screen on a nearby CRT. They have the power base converter and modem accessories in the background. The modem. The modem. Yeah, that's, it's bait and switch shit on the modem front, though, because it never was released in the U.S. Did make uh, it out of Japan, but it, did, it was not released in the U.S. They did have, later on, they had an online thing but it was that's not what this is this was this was a direct like peer-to-peer intended mm. device was the other one was you could i think it might have just been a game you could put in or something but the they had like an online service where you could download games and play them which is also fucking really cool but not exactly what this is oh yeah i remember that as well short-lived and late in the lifespan but a very cool idea nonetheless and certainly a precursor to everything the gaming has become as far as the way they're distributed sure. But there's a stack of a few games back there, too. There's Altered Beast, Super Thunder Blade, and Space Harrier 2. ton of screenshots for others as well. Too many to bother listing. And this is the first time, as we kind of alluded to very early on in this issue, this is the very first time we're seeing the system in all its glory in any, you know, any of the mags we're looking at here So for this pod. And I was not reading GamePro in 89, but even as immersed in NES shit as I was at the time, I can't imagine seeing this ad and not being sexually aroused. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they got branded. They got Tommy Lasorda baseball, Arnold, Arnold Palmer. I mean, they definitely... Yeah, Turbo graphics, pay yeah, attention. Like this yeah. is what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, know. that was a big part of their initial thing was those licensing deals with the sports and shit. Yeah, they're, the, they're starting to get their shit together with the marketing stuff here. But um, this raised the question to me, Jay. Does this ad mean that we can pick Genesis games now? The system is out. Altered Beast dropped on August 14th. Four days before my eighth birthday, actually. And then the other two games landed in September, so the games are all out. And like I said, the system came out in January, supposedly. So all the shit's available. So what what what's your what's your stance on that? I think so. I mean, this is gonna be a whole new yeah. world for me for for the most part, except for like or, Mortal Kombat, like and that kind of stuff. That, that's a yeah, way down the line. And that's but. that's way down the line. But yeah, like this are gonna be a lot of games I have seen, heard probably never messed with like ghosts and ghouls like ghouls and ghosts i see that and i'm like i remember i always wanted to play that because it looked cool but never playing it except maybe in the arcade yeah that's one of the ones i i wasn't really into that one i don't think i'm not sure i've ever played it but that is one of the ones that people have talked about i actually posted this ad on the genesis reddit and it fucking lit up so people were <laughs> talking about all the games on there i got a lot of feedback on what games of these this initial these early offerings are actually pretty good and that was one of the ones that seemed to be revered well i don't know man i i kind of i vote until we wait we, we wait until we get an actual magazine coverage and not just ad because one Fair i enough. think it, i think i think it'll build tension <laughs> and that, that's good for drama and and i think it'll let the nes breathe just a little longer and maybe more importantly than the nes even the sms so i think the second mm-hmm. we start talking genesis sms kind of no there's just no chance for it you know so all the all the games are going to be genesis games that we talk about so yeah the minute you say genesis i get way more excited (laughs) sms is like 
a nostalgia moment. It's just like, oh wow, nostalgia, but my actual enjoyment of games. Genesis. Yeah, I don't. I mean, honestly, another reason, another catalyst for this 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 stance for me was that I don't know shit about the other two games, but I know Altered Beast on SMS kind of sucks. I've barely fucked with it for Genesis. I, th- I think you've mentioned having having some affinity for it, but uh, the yeah. SMS one was terrible, so I'm not too stoked about playing Altered Beast to begin with. And the other two, I don't know anything about, so I I, I don't know if the options here would even i guess the other games too the other ones in the corner would give us some options but yeah, yeah. we can wait let's delay we can yeah. cuz i mean if we if we hold off on that well i guess it'll be in the next issue of this which will hit maybe before the the la- the very last sega newsletter i'm curious to know about that too how much genesis is going to be in that that very last sega newsletter before sega vision starts because you know like we said the shit's been out we've had I think maybe two, at least one of those, and there was nothing about the Genesis, you know. Like, I think there might have been a mention that's it's coming, but not, you know, no real coverage yet, even from them. So, it'll give us, you know, when that actually hits and becomes a thing, uh, I'm sure we'll be inundated with it. You know, I feel like so. I used to listen to like a lot of the gaming historian uh, YouTube videos, and I well listen to while I'm working and stuff, and. I know I listened to a couple about like the Genesis and Sega Master System, but it was a while ago, so I don't remember the details. But I, I feel like there was a lot of drama with even Sega in terms of like Japan versus oh, yeah, the United yeah. States. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. because of that, so many delays happening and renames, and like that's probably why they didn't have their stuff. Their, well, that was yeah, that was together for that a was long the whole time. thing. They hired you know they hired Kalinsky to run Sega of America, and you know it was a a big deal for them to do that and they it was not he you know he was not sure about taking the job and they had to really court his ass and da 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 and then he gets in there and they want him you know they they the whole reason they hire him from Pepsi is to you know this guy knows his shit in America and then he gets in there and he's fine he finds out how much Sega of Japan is just like cock blocking him on a left left and right basis to get you know he's, <laughs> trying, he's trying to change the he's tr- basically the whole creation of, of Sonic and that mascot and the artwork there's all this shit about them kind of trying to keep him from doing it the way he wants it and the thing the way he thinks is best for the US market. And he ends up like finally getting them to relent and it clearly worked, you know, but it's a it was a yeah. big ordeal to get the autonomy for Sega of America that that he needed to really be able to make it work in this marketplace. Especially, you know, and again pointing to just how bad of a job they'd done. That's shocking. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> get, the whole reason you hired him is because you're doing you're clearly doing a shit job and you're aware of it and you're still being a prick about letting the guy operate the way he wants is pretty funny, I think. But <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of shit with that for sure. Uh the let's let's let their closing copy ring true. The power has been unleashed, the adventure begins. And this is just the beginning of the Genesis era. Dun, dun, so, dun. yeah, that passage gave me butterflies. Back cover is a Konami full pager on their sports flow on the NES, Blades of Steel, Doug, Double Dribble, and Track and Field 2. Uh, unless you want to argue more about Double Dribble not sucking, uh, I think we out. <laughs> <laughs> That 
was the Karnoff NES Final theme, a game I've never played, but I definitely remember seeing a ton of ads about. Yeah, yeah, they, they definitely they pumped it pretty hard early on, man. They, it's not I've dabbled with it before. It's like it's interesting. There's all these there's like, there's like a, a shit. Ton, it's almost like Boyne is blobish in that how many items there are, like different items oh. there are to, to acquire and use in the game, and that's interesting to me. Like cool inventory management is cool, but. Yeah. The gameplay is rough. The actual platforming aspect of it is kind of rough. Yeah. Cool theme, though. Yeah, cool cool music, though. So, nominations here. What are we going to play next? I guess I think I forced you to go first, so maybe I'll, I'll lead it off here. Go for it. Uh, yeah. So, my nominations are Alex Kidd in the high-tech world. Oh. Wonder okay. Boy 3. So a lot of mm-hmm. SMS heat. I already said we already kind of talked about. It. I was I was impressed by, and uh, surprise. I guess more importantly than, than impressed, surprised to be impressed mm-hmm. by. <laughs> and then I'm keeping the drive alive for Strider as well. That's mentioned in here in that ad. So I'll throw that mm-hmm. in as my third. If we can't settle on any of this SMS shit. So those are mine. And I think, I mean, Alex Kid. Yeah, you know, it it the guys. Way more shit going on in it and way more fun than I anticipated it being. Wonder Boy 3 was in, way deeper than I anticipated it being. And like, <laughs> like I mentioned, the, the different creature mechanics were very appealing to me and they're interesting. And, or, sorry, check that. That's Alex Kidd, right? My, see, this, is, this is the problem with these games. I right yeah. now can't differentiate them necessarily too well in my head. I know Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy was the one with the, the scavenger hunt deal, right? Yeah, in the castle. Wonder Boy's with the castle and you're going to get the arcade game. That's Wonder Boy. And the other one, Alex Kid in High Tech World, I think, is the one with the fucking the creatures. <laughs> no, I, I think I think it's the exact opposite of that. Is actually. it really? <laughs> I think I, because I remember because I have Wonder Boy as well, and that's because of changing into the different. Uh, okay. Wait, maybe I'm wrong now. Dang, now we gotta go back to. That. <laughs> oh man! Fucking Sega. Yeah, Wonder Boy three is. Turn into the different animals for sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the yeah. other because that's why I liked it as well. Kate, yeah. Kate is the fattest as Alex Kid. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, all right. So Alex Kid is the one that's kind of RPG and was pretty interesting, and I, like I want the phone stuff and all that shit that was kind of appealing to me. And I guess probably would be I don't know the uh, I, I feel like Wonder Boy three might be again kind of cater to the podcasting format being level based and shit and you know had had some interesting and it looked great and ha- had the, the creature variants so that one might be easier to deal with uh the the alex kid shit might get us into like i said kind of teeter on rpg territory which mm-hmm. is bad enough that we're playing in tandem with this dragon warrior as a different game different rpg as a side quest to begin with so maybe that's a, a lot of a an undertaking right now Strider 2 is also, I think, a little deeper maybe than... I don't know. That, I, it's, it's hard to say whether how, how deep that gets. Like, it might just be, you know, you pick up the discs and shit, but I, I don't know if, if the RPG aspect of it is too much so. I mean, it's kind of just a side-scrolling platformer that is Ooh. determined by your pickups as far as the progression goes, you know what I mean? Less so than right. true RPG features to it. Interesting. Interesting my indeed. What you got on your plate? So my three were Phantom Fighter, <laughs> um, Fantasy Star, because, yeah, and then Wonder Boy 3, of course. So Phantom Fighter, obviously, yeah, we talked about it at the beginning. It looked cool to me, and clearly it did not turn out cool in your opinion. So, yeah, definitely we could toss that one out. 
Yeah, um, I, I I think you'd fucking be you'd hate yourself if you got yourself into that for two weeks. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and it, fantasy star. Yeah, I keep forgetting how deep it is, but just again with all the stuff with the MMO part RPG aspect of the online one coming out, and just I get intrigued when these games have been around for decades and have, gr- have grown and evolved, and because people still love them and want uh, more of it. You know, I, I I love you, Jay, and I want to welcome you to 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 uh, to our collaborative creative venture here but i'm not doing that game again <laughs> I, know, I, know. I, I wrote it down i wrote it down initially and then i for, i completely forgot and i was like oh yeah i was like oh well <laughs> so yeah and then of course wonder boy 3 but i will say even with alex alex kid obviously there's multiple of those so it's kind of the same thing for me it, that and wonder boy are both of these games with several versions and even if you just do a, a Google search, you'll see remastered and later versions yeah. and all these kind of, and it's like, wait a minute, I did I miss out on these fun? Well, yeah, I mean, they're serious, you know? Yeah, they're they're revered as kind of Alex Kidd in particular. I mean, they're kind of the Super Mario's to some degree of of the the early Sega stuff, you know, before Sonic became a thing. These are the games that were kind of like their tentpole franchises, you know what I mean? So yeah, they that absolutely they have that mystique to them for sure, which is you know all the more reason that I've been so frustrated that I thought the first two in both cases were so awful because they're supposed <laughs> right. to be the things, you know, and, it's, and I, the system has impressed me in so many ways. Like the fact that the things that people love the most from it are the thing are things that I think suck so bad, but I like the system still. Like it just doesn't jive. It doesn't make sense to me, you know? So it's been frustrating. So I, yeah, I was, that was part of why I was so pleased that I was pleased with both of them. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why, I mean, that they got eventually replaced by Sonic, you know? <laughs> well, that's the, yeah, that's all the yeah. Fact, like they weren't cool fucking mascots, but still, you know, I mean, fucking other people enjoyed those fuckers. I don't know. So much of that shit's nostalgia, of course. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the simple fact there's overlap and we both, think it would i mean it fits into kind of the, the the attractive box that makes for a good game episode being a stage-based thing and all that maybe we should just not overthink wonder it and boy. Do wonder boy so let it be done let it be done wonder boy 3 that's what we're playing on the next game episode and we have been playing and are playing a a little bit of dragon warrior this week too i think jab still has a little bit to go so yeah we are doing i guess you know we kind of danced around it but very specifically let's get let's define what the fuck we're doing we are launching the uh our first isoh side quest series uh pod series and it's basically going to be a playthrough of some old school rpg where we little by little go through it me jay and then my my little brother jab are going to go through the game and at decide kind of stopping points basically play up to that stopping point record an episode and then rinse and repeat uh, for as many times as we have to, to get through the full game and, and talk about it in ISOH fashion. So our next, we'll be recording that next weekend. So we'll actually, that will probably, I imagine drop before the next uh, non side quest. Imperial schools. episode. <laughs> so the, the next one of those though, will be on wonder boy three. And then after that, we will be getting into Nintendo power issue nine or by, not by, I shouldn't say by happenstance, not by happenstance, that that is where the Dragon Warrior strategy guide was located. So mm. that is part of why the timing on this, in my thinking anyways. So that's what's coming down the pipe. And you can subscribe, subscribe to the pod on the platform 
that you listen to your dumbass pottery on, whatever that might be. You can subscribe to it on there. And if you do, uh, please rate and leave positive shit for the pod on that platform if you could. And the website is nyehentertainment.com forward slash isohpod. You can email us directly at isohpodcast at gmail.com. Follow the pod and banter with us on the Facebook page and the subreddit and talk shit about our gameplay videos on the YouTube. And the links to all those will be in the show notes. Jay, what are your socials? Gentleman JB without the second E. That is my gamer tag and also my handle. You can find it ever. And I am at Josh Fallen on Twitter and at my shift key is broke on Instagram. Okay, bye. Bye.